This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast here on the AHP Digital Radio Network, the only dedicated hunting, shooting and fishing radio show here in Australia. If you'd like to find out more about AHP, visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. If you would like to email us, then you can go to the website and click on the contact icon. Or alternatively, you can email me directly at australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to listen to the Australian Hunting Podcast, you can visit the website and click on the archived podcast link. You can also subscribe to the Australian Hunting Podcast on iTunes for automatic updates. Make sure you leave a comment and rate us five stars on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. On Facebook, you can find us under Australian Hunting Podcast, where listeners are sharing ideas, thoughts and opinions, as well as photos and videos. Twitter.com forward slash AHpodcast if you'd like to follow our Twitter feed. You can also check out my videos on YouTube under the name Aussie Federal Control. Alternatively, all social media links can be found on the website. Everyone knows I love my listeners, but I've got especially some extra special love for my donating listeners. If you'd like to donate or do a monthly subscription to the show, go to the website and click on the donate button on the right-hand side of the main page and show your support, which is always appreciated. That helps us keep the lights on in this joint and pay those bills. We have over 65 hours of free podcasting audio content to date for you all to enjoy. Share the Australian Hunting Podcast with your friends and family and get as many people as you know into hunting, shooting and fishing as possible so they can enjoy this fantastic lifestyle that we all love. So as usual, without further ado, let's get into my interview with today's guest. This is Rod Drew, CEO of Field and Game Australia. This is Rob Fickling from Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30. Hi, this is Col Allison, hunter, journalist for 42 years and a shooter. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Aussie Reviews, welcome to AHP, mate. Thanks for your time, really appreciate it, thanks. No, thanks for having me on, Jace. Really appreciate your time too. Yep, no worries. I, mean, I know we've, we've spoken a lot. We had, we had an interview at the SHOT Show and we, we had a good, good yarn before and after. Mate, but I guess for people that you know, might not know who you are, tell us about yourself. Do you hunt, shoot, fish, all of the above, and what do you enjoy? Yeah, sure, mate. Uh, look, I'm, I'm pretty keen on getting outside and you know, doing some hunting. I actually really enjoy fishing as well. Um, nothing better than you know, a good catch of whiting and stuff like that. You know, I, I really enjoy that sort of thing, getting back to basics a bit and going out and actually getting my own food. So um, I really enjoy all of that, mate, absolutely. Yeah. What about family, mate? Did they sort of, you know, get into Were they into hunting? I mean, how did you get into a family tradition, family friend, just no yeah, one, you just loved it all? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, mate, I guess it goes with the era, you know, uh, like I'm, uh, I'm 37 at the moment, so anyone who's sort of around my vintage... <laughs> um, and I, I use that term loosely nowadays because some people probably go, geez, you're still <laughs> pretty young. But, yeah. you know, for in the shooting world anyway, obviously when I was growing up, there was a lot less restrictions and so forth. So 
um, all my friends, you know, like had rifles and so forth, and we used to go out shooting all the time, and you know, we'd go fishing, and and you know, my dad when I was younger uh, pretty much got me into um, shooting and fishing, and used to take me away on school holidays and things, and we'd we'd go over to uh, Morton Island, which is off Brisbane up here, and um, you know, we'd go away pretty much uh, really back to basics over there in that time, and uh, we'd set up a tent and all the rest of it, and fish and basically if we didn't catch anything we really didn't eat because we only had you know minor sort of backup supplies a bit of bait beans things <laughs> like that so um, mate I guess it was it was a big part of my childhood and uh, that's really sort of uh, where the interest grew but obviously you know as you get a little bit older and you start really putting a lot of your own interest into researching firearms and things like that well obviously you grow on those uh, initial um, you know, ground steps, I guess, for the better word, that you get from your parents. Yeah, true, mate. I know we're talking at the SHOT Show. I mean, I know this is not co- it's common knowledge. So I remember you said, because I've been having a conversation with a lot of friends about, you know, their females, their wives and girlfriends, whether they like them shooting, how they met. I remember you had a bit of a funny story, uh, how you met your, <laughs> I'm not sure if his wife, fiance, girlfriend, sorry, please apologise, but uh, just g- can you give the listeners a bit of a rundown about uh, your, your your partner? Yeah, mate, absolutely. Look, um, as uh, yeah, as it went there when we had that interview at Shot Show, and look, mate, it was definitely a true story. Uh, um, you know, when I first uh, met her, I mean, that was uh, roughly about five, six years ago now, and and uh, we'd gone away, um, you know, get away as you first do when you first start dating, and we're sitting at um, at the dinner table there at this uh, hotel we're at, and. Um, Anyway, I don't know how it came up. I still can't remember to this day, and I've asked her about it, and she can't remember either. But <laughs> whether it was something we're reading in the paper or something, but she just brought up like I don't, you know, the comment. I don't think anyone should have firearms, and and I, I nearly, you know, dropped dead at the table. I thought, hang on, what I got myself into here, and um, <laughs> you know, and I and I just thought, well, look, she's got her views, and uh, I've got mine, and I actually said, well, look, there's the door when we get back home. Um, you know, obviously you've got your views and everything and she was trying to sort of, well, hang on, hang on I don't want things to end so quickly and, and sort of was willing to explore it where in the past a lot of people who have those very anti-gun views aren't even willing to, you know, explain or explore, you know, their their opinions and their view. So to her credit and uh, very much to her credit, she ended up um, saying, well, look, you know, well, well, tell me a bit more about it because she was just simply brainwashed by the media the only time that she'd ever had anything to do with firearms was when she was seeing a, a report, you know, negatively uh, on the news about it. So, uh, yeah, the first thing that uh, we did at the time was I, I was actually going out to um, a couple of handgun, uh, handgun competitions out at uh, the SSAA at Brisbane, and I invited her out on uh, one of the Thursday nights as a silhouette competition there, and I said, oh, would you like to come out? And she said, well... Yeah, look, I'll come out, but I, I won't be shooting and, and, you know, all that. I just want to, I'll sit there in the background and watch you, but that's all I'm doing, you know. And, and she was really <laughs> adamant about that. And I uh, thought, well, look, that's fine. Like, no problem, because I respect, look, you've got your viewpoint and everything. So anyhow, we went out there and, uh, you know, there's a couple of older ladies that uh, go out to this particular shoot and I've seen them there a couple of times. And, you know, mate, they'd have to be in their, their 60s um, around there, maybe even late 60s. And uh, anyhow, they met up for the night and were oh, just having a great catch-up and a chat. And uh, they put no more than probably about 30 rounds down range, you know, and they both had little 22 pistols and just had a really nice night and a laugh and everything. And everybody else there, the vibe was good because everyone was doing what 
you know, they enjoy doing. Yeah. So uh, what happened was um, the night continued on and uh, partner at the time, she, uh, you know, didn't say anything. I thought, oh, well, she's <laughs> just taking this in. It's either <laughs> going to be uh, make or break pretty much. <laughs> and uh, then we got back in the car to, uh, to drive home and um, I said, well, what do you think? You know, what, what's your thoughts on this? And she said, like, I'm, I'm really surprised. Like, no one was talking about wanting to kill anyone or, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and I was like, for God's sake, like, what did you expect? Did you expect everyone to go there in a meeting and start discussing on how to assassinate people or something? I mean, you know, but, but unfortunately, mate, this is the brainwashing that, that goes on, yeah. um, you know, with people who don't have anything firsthand, uh, you know, knowledge or anything to do with firearms. Unfortunately, they get that negative viewpoint where their only connection in their mind is from the media, and that's you know armed robberies or people being shot and killed. Um, that's that's firearms and firearm ownership. When you know you and I both know, and probably 99.9% of your listeners know that that couldn't be you know further from the truth. So, but uh, yeah, to her credit, mate, um, she's very much uh, turned around and quite a uh, advocate for uh, gun rights now, and um, very much believes that uh, she, especially as a female, should have the right to self-defence. Yep. And um, very much a big change. And um, it's, look, I, I guess I could say, yes, look, it's been my influence. <laughs> but, um, but she's definitely not a stupid girl. And, um, and she researched a lot of the stuff and had a look at it. And then she thought to herself, well, yeah, well, this does, does make sense. And, and then, you know, I, I actually took her out um, for a shoot with one of the 22 pistols I had at the time. And... Uh, I said, you know, would you like to come out now that you've seen everything? It's just you and I. We'll go out to the range and nobody else pretty much there. We'll just do our own thing and I'll give you a shot with the pistol. And anyhow, she she agreed. And uh, when we got out there, she was pretty much nervous. You know, she held the pistol in her hand pretty tight and she was a little bit shaky. And I said, look, just relax. I said, this, this isn't going to hurt or it's not, it's not going to do anything bad to you um just listen to what i say about safety because obviously safety is paramount yep. and and you'll just have a fun time and uh anyhow so um she listened to what i was saying about her stance and just the grip on the firearm and so forth and i put up a target there at about oh, about seven or ten meters not too far away and uh sure enough bang first shot straight through the middle of bullseye and um <laughs> you know she couldn't contain herself she was so excited and <laughs> And I thought, well, I've done my work. <laughs> She's well and truly hooked on this. And uh, <laughs> and then she used it to her advantage and said, oh, look, if I shoot another bullseye, will you buy dinner? And uh, oh, no. so, I, so I thought, well, you know, who am I to dampen the spirits of a, uh, a beginner? Yeah, so I right. agreed. And then, um, and then, yeah, bang, straight through another bullseye. So, uh, you know, it cost me dinner, but it was well worth it. Uh, you're right. It's amazing how things... I know I've have heard a lot of people do that where they've come in. I mean, even the opposite. You know, someone's married, you know, a female who's into firearms and, and you know, they've, they've come away. And then I see them on Facebook now, big advocates for, uh, you know, shooting sports because they got involved with someone that likes. And they see, after a while, just the common sense. Yeah, yep, exactly right, mate. And, uh, I mean, look, she's, she's definitely a, she's a, a top girl. She's... Uh, got a good head on her shoulders and um and obviously that's why you know we remain together because um you know i mean if she didn't then uh, she would have had her views and just gone a separate way in the early stages but you know very much to her credit um she thought well no i'm actually going to explore this and have a look at the other side before i go you know making up my mind on things <laughs> before and, um, before i get rid of him <laughs> yeah yeah that's right <laughs> so I, I probably uh 
I'm probably very thankful because probably without her, I probably wouldn't have Aussie reviews because she does all the uh, the film work. I do the editing. Yeah, right. But, um, yet, yeah, she's always out there behind the camera and, um, and uh, you know, telling me, um, oh, you're not doing this right or you're doing that right or whatever. And, no, we've got to redo this and yeah, <laughs> things stuff. like that. So, yeah, very much an integral part to uh, to what I do now, mate. Yeah, good stuff, man. How long have you been hunting and shooting for? Give us a bit of a rundown, sort of, you know, once experience, but, you know, and or involvement in the outdoors, you know, sports and culture. Mate, uh, look, since I was about six, um, there's actually a photo uh, my mum's got of me when I was two, when I had a uh, this little lever action uh, toy gun, so I guess I had a bit of interest from when I was, you know, very, very young, but since I was six was when I started shooting real firearms, and uh, I remember... Um, you know, I mean, geez, we got a lot of cane toads up here, and that I remember as a kid always going out with the air rifle and, you know, and culling them off the property and things like that. And um, yeah, same with fishing and like where I where I lived and uh, grew up. I mean, we had a lot of farming land and so forth around, a lot of creeks and things. So I did a did a lot of fishing and and things as a kid as well. And and that was a thing too, mate, because you know, growing up through the the eighties, like it wasn't like we had like these days when a lot of people are sitting in front of xboxes and things like that we were we were really more outdoors we made a lot more of our fun outdoors so i do think that's sort of uh missing a bit from today that's my my uh, personal view on it um i'd definitely like to see a lot more youngsters get out and just enjoy the outdoors rather than just you know looking at the tv screen and looking at the internet and uh and looking at a uh, games console yeah no totally agree mate Mate, what do you enjoy? What sort of things? I mean, you know, you just talk about, you know, pistols, you know, clay targets, you know, full bore rifle, you know, hunting, the whole kit and caboodle. What are you, what's your sort of up there? What do you enjoy? Mate, believe it or not, I would probably say the most enjoyment I get, um, I mean, I put a post on my uh, Facebook page here recently around the Christmas time and I, I just had the old Lisco 22 and uh, I was yep. out plinking down by the dam, you know, and I, I get so much enjoyment from rimfires i've actually got quite a passion for rimfires which a lot of people don't know and uh so i i I love rimfires in you know in pistols i love them in various different um rifles like you know the the the, um remington the 572 uh the pump action um the marlin lever action the 39a uh, for example I, i love all those different platforms um and then obviously on the Test control side of things, I've got the Ruger 1022, yep. which I absolutely love. That would probably have to be my hands-down favourite. <laughs> and uh, and then on the, the pistol side, well, I've got, you know, the Ruger Charger and various different uh, semi-auto uh, pistols. And, you know, I love 22 revolvers. I, I'm, I'm a real... Um, a connoisseur, yeah, a real you might passion say. And interest. <laughs> what, sorry, mate. I said a real connoisseur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could say that. So, yeah, I, I just enjoy it because um, I, I guess because for me it holds a lot of memories of introducing people uh, to the sport and the hobby because um, for me that's what I'll always introduce someone to the sport with. I always take out a rim fire um, because, you know, that way you can gauge whether they're recoil sensitive. Um, also, if they don't like the noise, um, you know, 22 is the bare minimum. If they want to go higher and try other things later down the track, by all means they can. But, you know, I just love having that 22 platform available when you're introducing people to the sport. Yeah, true, mate. Good stuff. I know you just talk about running a business, but let's talk about, you know, pest control. What do you, what do you enjoy hunting, mate? I mean, even whether working, whether recreational, what's your, what's your sort of go-to and do you enjoy hunting? 
Well, the big thing up here, like we've got uh, like a lot of deer, um, you know, and like uh, sort of they call it the Brisbane Valley, which is sort of probably a good hour out of Brisbane anyway, um, and running up to the back like round Esk and things like that. So, look, there's a, quite a few deer to hunt up here. Um, but in saying that too, they're declared feral pests here in Queensland. So, um, you know, rooster deer, red deer, that sort of thing, like they're all feral pests. So, you know, I can say, well, yeah, look, I enjoy hunting them, but it's actually feral pest control up here. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I don't mind doing that sort of thing. Uh, you know, very much a fan of going out, you know, with feral pigs and, and that sort of thing, wild dogs. And But once again, that's sort of getting back to more of the business, but... Look, at the end of the day, I enjoy my work, and that's why I started the business to do that. Because um, yep. you've got to enjoy what you're doing. But, um, mate, even on more of a more of a personal level, um, you know, some people may sort of be inter- interested out there. I've got a uh, pretty big um, fascination with uh, fish, like aquarium fish. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, and I'm right into uh, American cichlids, so uh, a particular type of American fish, and um, and obviously my my dog, who is an American Staffordshire Terrier, uh, <laughs> yeah. very much into the breed um, with them, and I've done a couple of videos on the American Staffordshire Terrier or the Amstaff as they're as they're commonly known by, and I've gone to a couple of uh, rallies against like breed specific legislation and things like that. So yeah. I'm, I'm fairly active in in that sort of area as well in my personal life. Yeah, good stuff, man. I mean, there's, obviously there's different you know, disciplines of shooting, whether it's hunting, pistol, doesn't matter what it is. But what's your favourite aspect? Of say you know I won't say hunting and shooting, but just as a culture in general, what's your favourite aspect of you know? Do you think of of this whole gun ownership culture? You might say. Well, mate, first of all, the the, the personal um, enjoyment I get from firearms is just maintaining the skills to go out and hit what I want to hit. So, I guess that'd probably be you know like a, a favourite sort of aspect, I guess, of of just shooting in general. Um, but the big thing about like the gun ownership, um, to me, I mean, it just today, like in today's environment, like you've very much got people on the on the far left who are just completely anti-hunting. They're anti-firearms. They, you know, they just they just do not accept it. And if you're one of those people, um, you're just the lowest life form on earth in in their opinion. Um, so I think, especially now, like um, you know, for me personally. To be a firearm owner in this uh, day and age and also to be able to speak up and be proud of what you're doing, just to me goes to show that you're not really, you know, like a sheep like other people where they might be afraid or they might might go along with that group think mentality of the media that all firearms are bad and that. So for me, like the aspect of uh, firearm ownership in today's society is just showing what sort of person I am uh, inside that I'm willing to stand up for something that I love doing. Yeah, true. Mate, I know we were talking about, I mean, obviously, you know, many years ago we've seen 96, we've seen a lot of buybacks, we've seen gun ownership change. So, like, what do you think it means in the 20th century to be a gun owner, especially, like, say, you know, in today's society? Well, number one, how I look at it will be different to how everybody else looks at it, but how I look at it, Number one, if someone says, oh, you know, I'm into shooting and so forth, I think, well, they're a good guy or a good girl because um, if they're not, well, how do they have a license in the first place? So number one, I take my hat off to them for, you know, obviously having years of being law-abiding to uh, be able to have that license. And uh, secondly to it, I just look at it and I think, well, they're a strong person because even though there is a lot of that negativity out there, 
they haven't, you know, what I was touching on before, they haven't gone with that group think of that negative image of firearms and they've actually gone, well, you know what, I'm going to go out there and explore this for myself. I'm going to go along to one of the ranges, um, you know, with an intro day or I'm going to take that friend of mine up on that opportunity to come shooting. And, and they've actually gone out and made up their own mind and their decision on what they think it is and then they get into it. So I look at them as strong people overall. Yep. Shooters are strong people. They're willing to stand up for themselves and, um, you know, basically in the face of all the negativity that we've got nowadays. Mm. Very true, mate. I know you were talking about, let's talk about, you know, different types of firearms. And you said, what's your, uh, the question is, what's your favourite gun? But you already said the Ruger 1022. You, you just... Yeah, pretty much hands down, mate. I mean, I, I had one of them uh, when I was younger and uh, absolutely loved it. I had, a, uh, I had a stainless steel one, but in a walnut stock, oh, yeah. um, which was, <laughs> um, yeah, just one of the versions that they were running uh, back in the 90s, Ruger were. And uh, I'd worked very, very hard to get that. And, um, you know, I just absolutely loved it. Every time I went out and shot it, you know, I'd just clean it up, it just pristine, you know, because I just loved it so much. And when I looked at it, mate, it just represented so much hard work. And, and you know, once again, that's probably... Uh, you know, notorious for people from my sort of generation because when we were younger, we went out, we worked and we got our pocket money and we saved up for things that we wanted to buy. And then when we got those things, um, you know, it, it meant a lot to us because we had to work for it. And the Ruger 1022 is definitely that. And uh, I lost that in 96 and uh, it's, it's never... Uh, I've always had a void there. And people say to me, oh, well, you know, Ozzy, you've got... Uh, you know, you've got all sorts of semi-auto firearms now. How could you miss it? You know, you've even got a Ruger 1022, but it's not the same one that uh, I had to give up in '96. So uh, yep. I tell you, mate, if I if I if I even knew where that was, I mean, obviously it's in a million bits now, I'd imagine. But uh, you know, I would just love to to be able to buy that same Ruger 1022 back because, um, as I say, it it just it's uh, what it represented um, to me, you know, when I looked at it. Yeah. Mate, we'll get to the huge. We're just going to go to a quick break. When we come back with Aussie Reviews, we'll start talking about uh, the YouTube and the reviews. So we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. G'day. I'm Peter Johnson from the Shooters and Fishers Party, and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. In 2015, New South Wales hunters will have an important decision to make. You can trust one of the major parties to fight for the rights of hunters, or you can trust the party that has been fighting for shooters and fishers for 20 years. The Shooters and Fishers Party are the only party fighting for our rights. So, in March 2015, please support the party that is supporting hunters, the Shooters and Fishers Party. Find out more at www.sfp2015.org.au. Hey Mars, did you know there's a place in New South Wales that gun owners, hunters and sporting shooters are very familiar with? Of course Jason, that place is Horsley Park Gun Shop. That's because they've been around for 30 years and have built a reputation for being the best in the business. They have an extensive range of firearms, ammunition, gun safes, optics and accessories for all your hunting and shooting requirements. And did you know Jason they always have bulk ammo specials? Absolutely. The friendly staff at Horsley Park Gun Shop are always there to help you and give you the best advice. Horsley Park Gun Shop are open Monday to Saturday and you can find them on the internet at hpgs.com.au. Come and talk to the team at Horsley Park Gun Shop at 1848 Horsley Road, Horsley Park or call them on 9620 13 13. 
All right, Aussie, mate, tell us about um, YouTube. You started making reviews of firearms on YouTube. What was the reason you sort of wanted to get in to start doing that? Mate, pretty much the negativity. Um, I just had so much. I, I really had just a gut full of the negativity. And I'm talking about the media. You know, they'd always report negatively on firearms. I mean, there's so many good stories of firearms out there. Um, you know, I mean, even from local um, competitions that are held at you know the SSAA in Brisbane. Well, what about when they have national competitions on and things like that? Like, why aren't the media there covering that? Um, that sort of thing. So, I just thought, well, someone's got to be a bit of a voice for us. And I know there's you know there's different um, areas um, that have political parties, and you know, and then there's different sort of um, organisations, you know, like the Shooters Union and, and different people speaking up and even people like yourself who, you know, are running this show, which is great. There's more and more people that are trying to voice their opinion uh, and their viewpoints to say, hey, there's a, a big group of us uh, shooters. There's a lot of us out there and we aren't all crazy, you know, with how the media portrays us. So I thought, mate, I really... I really, really, really put a lot of thought into it. I thought, you know, geez, do I do I want my face out on the internet? You know, uh, do I want to be doing these reviews? Um, and and look, as you probably know, there's a lot of negativity out there, not only from the anti-gun lobby, but even shooters. I mean, there's a lot of uh, very negative shooters there who, when you go to do something, they'll just pick you apart and try to drag you down. And um, you know, and that certainly happened uh, in the early stages, but. I just thought, no, I'm looking at the end result here and I really, really want this to go somewhere. Um, I want to actually start reviewing firearms and getting people interested in them and attracting more people to the sport and the hobby. And I thought, what better way to do that than to actually go out there and just do different reviews? Because as we all know, you have a look overseas um, in the States and a lot of reviews over there uh, with a lot of stuff that we can't even access here, you know, just on a normal, you know, recreational or uh, sports licence for uh, long arms. So I thought, well, how about reviewing the products that are available to us here in Australia? And, and that's where I formed the basis of Aussie Reviews and thought, well, that's it. I'm going to just do it and let's just see the general feedback that I get. And, mate, it was a hell of a lot more um, positive feedback than negative feedback. And then, uh, you know, before I knew it, I mean, I went to the uh, Australian Shot Show, I think it was 2012. And, you know, at that time, I think I only had like 4,000 or 9,000 views. And I was like, geez, that's a, that's a lot of people. And, um, you know, at the moment, I'm just under 1.4 million now. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just gone, you know, it's exploded um, in, in that sense and certainly going up as each day goes by. So... Um, I think there was definitely a need for it here in Australia because there didn't seem to really be um, anyone, you know, other than obviously reviewers in magazines who are affiliated with the magazine and so forth that were actually doing reviews. Yeah. True, mate. On AHP here, no one's, you know, exempt from getting asked a few hard questions while on the show. So, I mean, obviously when doing reviews, are you sponsored by any gun manufacturers or receive any money from any gun manufacturers to give favourable reviews where maybe you wouldn't have necessarily before? No, none, mate. Um, I've, the, the topic of sponsorship uh, was raised at the last uh, shop show, the um, one down in Sydney, and, uh, and I've declined um, financially. Obviously, it's, uh, it is a big burden. I mean, since I've started doing these reviews, I've spent well in excess of $50,000 now with buying firearms, accessories and so forth. 
But the one good point about it now is I've got a lot more companies who have approached me now and said, well, okay, look, you're not going to take sponsorship or anything like that. Well, how about we loan you some products? So, uh, you know, I'm quite happy to do that. But they all understand that when I get a product, um, once I review it, if there's something wrong with it, um, you know, if there's a major problem or whatever, look, I'll give them a chance to uh, rectify it in the sense of explain why it's like that. But the review still goes ahead, and that's happened with a couple of reviews. Um, I mean, the Savage uh, 1.7 Hornet that I did, um, you know, I mean, that was a Niowa product, and uh, I had problems with the the feeding of it. um, And I showed exactly how it was. And, you know, like that review is uh, probably in one of the top uh, reviews that I've done with firearms, with people with thumbs up, they love it, because I'm not lying to them, I'm showing them exactly how it is. Um, same with uh, Outback Ammo. I mean, when I first did their uh, review of their ammo, the two firearms that I had, I had a CZ-308 and uh, Anschutz uh, 223. And, uh, you know, made a nice shot their ammo, and I remember saying in, in the actual review, you know, do I think that it's better than the US stuff? Well, no, I, I don't really from the results that it's, it's given. And, uh, you know, and obviously that's just being honest. That's just my own personal viewpoint on how the product performed for me. But then when I did uh, another review, I think uh, from memory the last Mossberg one I did, um, I think Outback Ammo from memory was the best performer there. So, you know, it just goes to show just because an ammunition doesn't perform, you know, flawlessly in uh, a particular firearm I might be using it in, it doesn't mean that it won't perform better in another firearm, as we all know. So yeah. um, it's just honesty. And I mean, the same with the Mossberg review. I mean, I had a feeding problem with that. It was a bolt action 223, the MVP. And um, and uh, that one there I'd, uh, I'd had on loan from uh, Cleaver Firearms. And um, anyhow, when I went back in, the, uh, Jay Cleaver had asked me, and he said, look, you know, would you... What'd you think of it? I said, oh, good. You know, the accuracy was good, except I had a couple of, um, you know, feeding problems and so forth. He says, oh, okay, and just took it all on board and, and made, like, no negativity from him whatsoever because uh, he, like everybody else, respects me that I'm not going to go out there and just bash a product or bash a manufacturer. I'm yeah. simply going to review it, and if there is an issue, mm. I'll just show it on camera, and that's the way it is. Yeah, it can be hard sometimes. I've run advertisements and you know part of the the deal is you know you're not they're not exempt from any type of criticism just because they're paying money for the show but you know in hindsight sometimes it is a hindsight's a beautiful thing because you know sometimes i have accepted money and there's been some criticism doesn't matter who what where or when but you know and some unfortunately some you know people organizations can't handle it some can you know just depends on the situations. So sometimes you really got to look at those things, don't you? Whether you know taking money or getting sponsorship, sometimes you know it's worth it. It's a very hard thing to navigate, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, mate. I mean, look, um, I've only just uh, in the last week, um, YouTube has set up a, an option there for uh, fan funding, yep. where uh, fans can you know show their appreciation for the videos you post, and they can donate between a dollar and five hundred dollars uh, in a in a single day. Yep. And uh, anyhow, I set that up, and the only reason that I set it up was, um, you know, and I won't lie, I, I had a handful of people who said, well, Ozzy, we want to help you out. You know, you, you don't get paid by anyone. We want to help you out. How can we donate and everything? And I was like, uh, still that bit of pride in me was just like, no, no, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do it. And uh, and then when YouTube set that feature up, I thought, well, okay, I'll leave it in the in the hands of viewers. 
and uh, if they wish to, you know, <laughs> send me five dollars or something like that just to show the appreciation for what I'm putting up there, then they can do it. And uh, you know, since I've put it on there, uh, mate, I've I've had a hundred dollars. So um, you know, I mean, it's certainly not <laughs> something I'm going to retire on or anything, but that's not the idea of the whole channel. So. Um, it's just something like uh, YouTube explain it just to show the appreciation with what you're doing because I don't take any payment from any companies. Uh, there's definitely no payments for favourable comments or anything like that going on and they all know where they stand with me um, and they know that obviously I'm mature and sensible enough if I do have an issue with the product. Um, I also give them an opportunity to... Um, you know, to, to explain and go, well, look, why is this like this or, or whatever. I just don't go on camera and start swearing and carrying on and just, you know, being unprofessional. I like to have that bit of professionalism when I do the reviews, and uh, yeah. I think that goes a long way with uh, credibility. Yeah. How do you how do you think you sort of remain honest without sort of, you know, alienating him anyone? I mean, obviously, you know, still a, a bad review can be seen, you know, by potentially millions and millions of people. I mean, YouTube's a very big medium now. It's the new sort of TV, you might say. So how do you sort of, you know, if, when, when conducting an interview that may be less than positive, how do you sort of, how do you tackle it? Well, mate, it's uh, it's funny because um, I was only in at uh, Cleavers the other day, and I mean, look, they're a good hour or so run for me because I've got to drive to Brisbane for it. And uh, you know, I was in there, and I mean, a lot of people have seen that Mossberg MVP review, for example, and uh, a lot of people got on and said, "Oh, look, no, I didn't have that problem with mine." Um, and then other people have said, "Oh, I've had exactly the same problem." And lo and behold, uh, <laughs> the guy beside me at the counter was uh, buying one brand new. So I think uh, sort of the flip side of it is when you actually show something exactly how it is, um, and especially if, it's a, if it shoots well, which like for example the Mossberg did, and it's still relatively uh, you know, cheap when you compare it to some of the high-end rifles out there, it actually encourages people to go and buy it because they go, right, okay, well that's the worst that, I could, uh, that could possibly go wrong with it and uh, let's take the chance and uh, let's go and get it. So I think on the on the other side of it, mate, it actually um, encourages people to buy rather than just go, oh, look, I'm not touching that. Because let's face it, we've got so many manufacturers out there these days and the quality of firearms in general are just way superior, in my view, than what they were you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, we've got so much more technology now and um, you know, there's so much competition. So each manufacturer, I mean, if they are really producing absolute rubbish that just didn't work or didn't shoot well well there'd be just you know there'd be a max a mass um exodus from uh you know supporters of that product especially so, on the uh, internet too right? that'd be, it'd, oh, be, it'd be all over the internet yeah absolutely and i mean even different companies i mean they've even suffered because um you know you get these people trolls as they call them on the internet who uh, go around and, and they'll just make up stories to try to damage companies um, and you know, I, I certainly don't agree with that. And I couldn't, I, for the love of me, I don't understand why someone would want to do that. Yeah. But um, you know, that's getting back to my own sort of views. That's where I think, well, look, just report it exactly how it is, and uh, and show the product for for how it is, and uh, and people will soon learn that you are honest, and you you do get that credibility through that growing uh, honesty that comes out in the reviews. I think because people aren't stupid, they can see if you're lying. Um, you know, we all got a fair idea when someone's lying to us, and uh, you know, the feedback I've got has been really positive so far. Mm. Mate, how hard is it to get your hands on items, either from the you know public or gun manufacturers, organisations to review? Stock hard to come by, or? 
Well, it depends what it uh, depends what it is. I mean, I I was waiting for, and I'm still waiting. Um, hopefully, I should be able to get in the next couple of weeks. Is the uh, Ruger American Rimfire? Um, I desperately wanted one of them in, in 22, and uh, there was an initial problem uh, that they didn't drill the uh, the gas port in the receiver, um, supposedly over in the states, and there was a bit of a recall on them, and then they had to go back and get obviously uh, rectified and so forth. So there was a, a, a mass delay um, in that. And that's why we saw all the 22 Magnums and the 1.7 HMRs, you know, on the shelves in the gun shops. But I really, really wanted the 22. And, um, you know, so things like that, I mean, they were fixed up in the US and there was, um, you know, they were freely available to the public over there, but we were still waiting for them here. So things like that is a little bit frustrating. And then obviously just the simple red tape of having to go and get permit to acquire um, because that's something else that viewers um, may or may not know because I certainly get asked the question a lot is, you know, you can't just go to a gun shop and borrow a firearm from them. You have to get a PTA. So, you know, it, it, there's a cost. Well, up here it's, uh, you know, virtually $35. So it cost me $35 each time I want to go and, you know, review a firearm. So then there's weights with that as well. Like sometimes, you know... Uh, they come out reasonably quick, but then other times, you know, I can be waiting four weeks, six weeks uh, for a permit to acquire. So, you know, then the uh, review of that product just gets put on the back burner. Mm. Mate, what's the, what, do you, what, what do you hope to do with the channel? I guess what's the plans for the future? Where do you want to see it go? What do you want to see it do? Any new things coming up? Tell us a bit more. Mate, uh, look, I, when I first started, I wanted to set it up as a place where it was basically a central point for people to come to to see virtually, you know, to be quite frank, no BS reviews. And, uh, you know, that seems to be working really well. But on the other side of the coin too is I want to attract a lot more people to the sport of the hobby. And there's a lot of people who are just getting into shooting um, who do come to my channel because they want to look at different rifles or pistols and, and things and they think, well, geez, what's my interest? Is my interest going to be hunting or is it going to be target shooting and so forth? So... You know, I want it as a central point for people like that to come to and be able to look at different reviews to see what aspects of shooting they want to get into. But uh, also, the good thing about it is the more and more people that come to the channel in the future, like if there's something that uh, affects all of us as shooters, then I can do announcements on like the Facebook page, for example, and all of a sudden there's a 1,000 or 2,000. I mean, I've, I've had you know, things shared on there that's gone over 10,000 uh, people. Um, you know, if there's an issue that all of us need to be aware of as shooters and take some action against, well, what a great platform to get the word out if you've got that many people following you. Yeah, mate, totally, totally agree. See, so what, you, you, you want to get more people into the sport, male, female? Um, who do you want to target, just everyone and everyone? Everyone, because, uh, I mean, I like to do... Like, you know, I've done a couple of reviews of like the signing in process for uh, CAT C and D weapons there. So, you know, I like to say that I, I appeal to, you know, category D and C license holders, for example, because you see in a lot of magazines, for example, um, you know, the main target area is obviously category A and B sports and recreation firearms, where I sort of think, well, look, there's that many uh, farmers out there, for example, with. Cat C primary production, but who's doing reviews for firearms that they may buy, um, for example? So I, I really want, I'd like to uh, represent everyone in that regard so they can come there and they can find something that appeals to their particular interest in shooting.
Yep. Any new reviews coming up? What are you sort of tackling next or over the next few months? Well, mate, I've got, uh, as we speak, um, I've got it here in, uh, in my hot little hand, so to speak, is the Walter PPQ M2 in 9mm. I did the Walter PPQ M2 in 22 yep. review, and, um, you know, I had a few sort of queries from people, oh, you know, you're going to review the 9mm, and I thought, well, you know, there's that many reviews of it on YouTube, I thought, oh, people probably wouldn't be interested in seeing it, but... Uh, Obviously, there is the, uh, <laughs> the request for it, and I was quite su- surprised. So I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll do it. So um, anyhow, I've, I've organised it, and uh, yeah, so I've got my PTA, and I just went and picked it up this week. So I've got that here, so I need to get that out the range and, and yeah, have a bit of fun with it and, uh, and see how it performs. So I've got that, and I'm waiting on my uh, PTA for the uh, Ruger American. So um, the ring fire, that is, so I'll be reviewing that. And yeah, that's pretty much in the in the immediate future. But yeah, down the track, mate, I've I've got a lot more to uh, review. I've got uh, coming up this year. I've got the new uh, long range Seiko and 300 Win Mag, and I'll also be uh, showing some of the new uh, Seiko ammunition as well because there doesn't seem to be a lot on that. So um, yeah, I've. Uh, decided to uh, speak with uh, the guys down at Beretta and uh, say, look, this is what I'd like to do and, um, and uh, you know, can I get something to loan? So, um, yep, yeah, they've been kind enough to uh, organise that for me, so it's going to happen in the next couple of months that uh, I'll get the, uh, the Seiko Long Range. So that should be a really interesting review. Yeah, no, good stuff, man. Um, so what about, so nothing coming up the next couple of years, any, you know, you going to do anything, just keep doing reviews, any sort of other expansion do you think? No, just keep just keep pottering away now and, and just keep building it up? Yeah, mate, I think so. I mean, because it's, uh, when, when you look at how many views I'm, I'm getting now compared to, um, you know, last year, I mean, it was only, honestly, it was only about two, three months ago I um, was that excited because I'd broken the one million view mark. Well, it's only been a few more months and, you know, like I said, I'm almost another 400,000 views now. So um, it's, it's certainly increasing quite considerably. I mean, look, it's definitely nothing compared to, you know, some of the uh, popular YouTube channels over in the States have been going for, you know, about six or seven years. Um, but obviously their market too is a lot wider than, than what ours is. But interestingly enough, I've also found that I've got a lot of, American followers as well on my channel um, who are actually quite interested because I'm reviewing a lot more of the you know bold actions and and things like that that we actually use for hunting and so forth here where over there a lot of their reviewers um, particularly review a lot of like you know AR platforms and semi-autos and so forth and they've actually come across to my channel to have a look at stuff that's more traditional so I find that quite funny too. (laughs) Good stuff, man. I want to uh, concentrate. I know we, we spoke at the Shot Show, and I have saw your videos as well, follow you on Facebook, etc. Now, yep. I, want to, I want to talk about firearms laws, man. I know we, we've got a lot in common here. I mean, sometimes we may be, you know, I think the majority of people agree with what we say, I think. I mean, for the people that are on my page, what I see people posting on your page, uh, the general consensus. So what do you, how do you think uh, of firearms laws in this country uh, currently? Desperately in need of review. Um, look, with my, my sort of viewpoint is, and I've, I've openly said this, when 1996 happened, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, badmouthed uh, the Liberals, John Howard and all the rest of it. But what a lot of people have to understand is 
it wouldn't have mattered in my view if Labor was in because Labor, even Labor, was supporting the Liberals in their gun control back then. So it's not so much a uh, Liberal or, or Labor sort of argument. Uh, people have got to realise that um, you know it has happened, and uh, as a result, this is what we've got. And uh, I just think at the time um, it was very, very one-sided. I mean, because anyone can have a look at it and see that, well, this is definitely my viewpoint on it, those categories of weapons and the laws and that have absolutely nothing to do with public safety. And I've had that many people go, oh, dear, I can't believe you said that, you know, and their jaws drop. And, and I said, well, let's look at it, for example. Um, you know, the, the, the main part, and I can only speak like of the Weapons Act up here, which governs firearm ownership, you know, it says in the beginning, like the intro of the Act, that uh, the underlying purpose of the Act, obviously, is for public safety. And you think, okay, well, let's look at everything with, you know, the uh, the viewpoint of uh, public safety. And um, anyhow, when you look at it in through those sort of glasses, so to speak, you see so many holes in the legislation. Like, for example, like, you know, you can't even have a two-shot um, semi-automatic uh, 22, for example, because we all know that's going to be Category C. So it doesn't matter. It's anything up to 10 rounds. So two rounds, three rounds, doesn't matter. If it's semi-automatic, that's it, Category C for a ring fire. So you look at that, yet under Category A, you can have a Marlin 39A with 19 rounds in it. So mm, you, you sort of look at you, look at it and you go, well, hang on, it's, uh, the underlying purpose of this is supposed to be um, public safety. So when you look at that, you just go, really? Like, <laughs> how is that with public safety? So... And, and another example, for uh, you know, you can look at like the, the Ruger semi-auto 44 Magnum, which was basically, you know, the 10.22 on steroids. Yeah. So, um, you know, Category D holds a four-round magazine. Yet here in Queensland, a lot of the other states, we can have a Rossi circuit judge that has six rounds of 44 Magnum, pull the trigger as fast as you can, and those rounds go off. <laughs> yet not, category. not in New South Wales, you can't have that one, Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. So, but you, you know what I mean, mate. Yeah. It's, um, you look at that and that's Category D. You can take out recreational shooting and everything. But before the anti-gunmans jump on this and go, well, that's it, we need to ban all that. Well, no, we don't because what incidents uh, are occurring where law-abiding shooters are taking these firearms and going out and killing people and so forth? Absolutely mm -hmm. not. And, and it proves that, that back in '96. You know, they brought in the laws where everybody had to, had to have the strict licences and so forth. Look, that's fine, but don't take away the access to weapons. Um, so, in other words, if people want to go out and shoot with semi-automatic firearms to cull pests or, you know, recreationally shoot or whatever, if they're law-abiding people and they have the storage requirements, where's the risk? That, that's my viewpoint on it. Mm. You're right, mate. I'm just going to throw a few things out. We'll obviously discuss it after I, after I say these things. I'm just going to throw a few things out to you and see the sort of agree or disagree, yeah? Sure. Yeah. Self-defence? Agree. Getting rid of registration? Agree. Suppressors? Uh, agree. Uh, uh, for or against genuine reasons to own a firearm? Uh, disagree. In... Provide you've already got the licence, why do you need to have a genuine reason? To own firearms. Yep, you've true. You've proved yourself. Yep, what about semi automatic firearms? Completely agree that people should have them, provided they're law abiding and licensed. Yep. 
I know uh, I've been talking about this uh, quite a lot recently. I mean, about, especially uh, about self-defense. I'm very big on that. I know we've had, we've had previous chats about this before. Uh, I think yep. it's a right. I mean, the concealed carry thing, I support it 100%. But whether Australia is ready for that right now, I think, you know, maybe not. But I think self-defense is, it would, would be a great start. And people might say, oh, Jason you know, doesn't support concealed carry. I mean, that's complete crock. I just think Australians compared to Americans at the moment and other countries, I mean, Russia's just introduced uh, concealed carry permits as well. I mean, obviously the United States, just to name a few. Um, but I think, I mean, especially females, I mean, people always say, oh, well, when, you know, has someone, when have you needed a firearm, Jason? Like when, I said, well, you know what, I haven't, but it's like car insurance. It's like house insurance when my house goes on fire touch wood it doesn't but you yeah. know, you, you yeah. don't need it until you need it and then when you sort of you know people don't realize what happens until it happens to someone they love i mean you know you've only got to look at uh you know jill ma down in in melbourne um you know uh, raped and killed by a 22 time rapist you know what i mean these are the things where yep. you know people should, i mean even let's talk let's talk about even non-lethal forms uh, of self-defense i mean pepper spray i mean a taser i mean we can't even i mean yeah a, a, a flak jacket or a bulletproof Vest is classified as a prohibited weapon, for goodness sake. Yeah. You know? yep. So what yep. do you think about self-defense? What's your, what's your thoughts on that? Mate, I just think that it is absolutely ludicrous that anyone can stand in front of you and say, you don't have a right to defend yourself. I, I just think that is just insane. You know, I mean, <laughs> you just bring things back to nature. Look at animals in nature. You know, they defend themselves and try to get away from different animals trying to kill them. And what, as human beings, if someone tries to kill us, what, should we just lie there and, and just accept it? I mean, I, I just find that just very hard to comprehend. And, like, I try to respect everyone with their viewpoint, and that's fine. I'm not saying that everyone, you know, you have to defend yourself. But I think there certainly should be a right to uh, for people to defend themselves. I mean... Interestingly enough, you, uh, you bring uh, Jill Mara. Um, I know after that there was uh, quite a bit of lobbying from uh, some female groups about they wanted a right for self-defence and to at least carry some pepper spray and things like that. Um, you know, and, and, and I look at it and I think, well, if they're good, law-abiding people, why shouldn't they be allowed to, to, to be able to defend themselves and you know, carry weapons for self-defence? Um, it only makes sense. I mean, you know, sexual assaults and attacks on women, you know, we hear it so much in the media these days and, and you know, particularly women, like, who is anybody in a position of power to tell my partner or, you know, your partner or somebody else's partner that they don't have a right to defend themselves? I, I really just find that quite obscure. Yeah, mate, registration, the next one, I mean, People don't understand registration. I've I've written to them in the police minister. Well, was Mike Gallagher until he stood down for alleged corrupt donations? That's a whole different story. I write to him all the time saying, have you know, have you done a public benefit analysis? What's yep. been the net benefit to public safety? Man, I've read, I got, I've had one reply. It was the generic bullshit response that you get. Um, yep. But talking about New Zealand, I mean, I uh, quote this quite a lot because uh, it's great that there was a police minister in New Zealand on TV NZ One News. Now, this was a couple of months back. Ann Tolley, police minister uh, in New Zealand, uh, was quoted as saying they, uh, there's no evidence to say that registration will do anything for public safety. And uh, the, the, uh, the, the fact that they say that they want, I mean, the anti say they want to put registration in, New Zealand is not going to put any type of registration. I mean, Ann Tolley said that. There's no benefit to public and there's no uh, evidence that uh, registering private firearms will do anything uh, for public safety. Now, that's a great thing for a police minister to be saying. 
saying. So what's your yeah. thoughts on the whole uh, registration? I mean, Canada, you know, abolished it. Uh, Canada abolished it in the mid-'80s, costing way too much money. I mean, Stephen Harper, the Canadian Prime Minister, quote-unquote saying these, this registry has cost us $3 billion and has not done a single thing and has not saved one Canadian life. That's what he said. So what's your thoughts yep. on that? I absolutely agree, and I'll, I'll give you an uh, example from personal experience that I haven't discussed with you before. Uh, when I uh, first got my uh, Anschutz 2-3 rifle, uh, I had that in my possession for just over a year before I got an updated list from weapons licensing up here saying that it was in my possession. So that means that, you know, say for example I was a bad guy because they really believe that bad guys will have registered weapons and all the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. So, so let's just picture this, uh, humour me for a bit here. So if police, for example, were coming to my address because of, um, you know, some disturbance or, 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 or whatever reason and they were doing a check on their computer, well, if it would come up that I wasn't in possession of that firearm, I'm, I'm of the belief of that anyway. I mean, I stand to be corrected, but, um, you know, if it's not reflected on my weapons list, well, it's, it's not in my possession. So, uh, hypothetically, if I'm a bad guy and they come to the front door, um, you know, here I am with a weapon and they don't even know about it. And, I mean, like I said, I, I had that in my possession for, for approximately a year before that weapons list came out, updated. <laughs> and, and and that just goes to prove, like, this argument of public safety, really? How is that uh, helping public safety? It, it's not helping public safety one bit, and it has never, ever been proven. And look, I, if people, listeners don't believe me, do your research. Have a look overseas. New Zealand, for example, you know, has lower, it's one point something percent uh, lower per capita murder rate with firearms than what Australia does and that's with all our strict laws yet they don't have any of the strict laws there they can still access under their equivalent category A over there uh, semi-automatics yep. and AR-15s and so forth yep. um, if they've got the pistol grips on them and, and uh, larger capacity magazines they go to E category over there and they yep. have to have higher storage requirements and so forth yep. but still even with all these firearms in the community and I will add, too, that people don't realise this, on collector's licences over in New Zealand, you can have full operating, fully automatic firearms. And didn't actually know that one. I didn't know that one, actually. Yeah, and they're in the community and over there. So you've got fully automatic firearms, and how many people, how many of these licensed collectors are going out on mass murder sprees and so forth? None. Yeah. <laughs> it's really a no-brainer, and... Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, like in 96, as all gun owners were sold at the time, you know, John Howard said, there is no other way, this has got to happen this way. You know, and everyone, you know, protested about it and so forth. And, you know, look, they got what they wanted in the sense of licensing. And I'm sure if you speak to any law-abiding um, shooter, they don't really have a problem with a license to sort of weed out the bad people from the good people. However, they've, you know, the old saying of, uh, you know, um, <laughs> take an inch and, uh, you know, or give them an inch and they take a foot or, or more. And this is the thing. This is exactly what they've done. They've gone way over the top with their categories and their genuine reasons. I mean, you know, not only do you have the genuine reason for having the license, but now when you have to apply for a, a firearm, or especially up here, uh, for a Category B firearm even, you have to put your reason, your genuine reason in there and why 
um, you know, why it can't be satisfied another way. Um, you know, and you see all these more and more restrictions each year coming in more and more and there's no mass murders or incidences with, um, you know, law-abiding firearm owners to justify it. Yet these keep coming in and, you know, I've had a lot of people that have said to me in the early days, like, Aussie, no, no, that's not right, you, you're sort of too paranoid. Well, really? Well, let's have a look at what's going on. Like, we've had no killings or anything here in Queensland and then, uh, you know, a few years ago, um, it's about four or five years ago, they changed the Weapons Act up here and then they brought in magazine restrictions for Category B firearms, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why? You've only got licensed people with those firearms anyway, so what's, yeah. what's the reason? And, um, you know, and then they keep coming back each year to change policy. Um, if they can't change in legislation, they take it upon themselves to, cha- uh, to change policy and they just, they just take away even more and more freedoms. And, and I just find it... Um, disgusting that's my personal viewpoint on it yeah people always ask me they go oh you, you know you want this and that and i said no no i'm i think training is really important uh i think it should be mandatory to you know, so people are familiar with the use of firearms and also think they should be doing a you know, criminal background check to make sure you know no issues in regards to any violence or anything that's going to exclude them from owning a firearm but that's as far as i would go a license and the re- requisite training you know, no yep. permits to acquire. I would get rid of that. I mean, you're licensed and law-abiding. You go in there and buy your firearms. Um, you know, perhaps, you know, I wouldn't want it. If there was registration, I mean, this all should be done through the dealer. You know, PTAs, you go into the shop, you purchase it, they lodge it with the system, you know, done deal. I'm talking at the moment, obviously, we've had a discussion about getting rid of a lot of these things, but you've probably yeah. seen this too, Aussie, with people and shooters uh, again yep. against each other going, well, hang on. Like, even you, you said you run a business. I mean, you know, you, you've probably had the people go, oh, why do you need this firearm? You know, and people yeah. go, well, hang on. Yeah. Or you might see people jump on there and go, well, hang on, mate. I've got a genuine need for this. You do not. You shouldn't have it. I mean, I find this need versus want just absolutely hilarious because, I mean, I don't think it comes to uh, anything to do with need or anything. If I, if I want it and I want to go and shoot with it, either, you know, feral pests or go hunting or go target shooting, you know, I should be able to do that. I don't need the government or anyone else or even shooters that want to take the high and mighty approach to say well yep. you don't need that but you know hang on i've got a farm well i do you know what i mean i just think that's a bit silly we think we should try and be getting away from that and avoiding that what i would like to see is when um like for example it's in the legislation there and even um when they had the uh, firearms review it's a pdf you can search it online um the national firearms review i think it was about 06 07 um when the uh police um, ministers and so forth get together from around Australia and their report is on the internet and when I was reading that um, the uh, committee agreed that um, primary producers uh, should still have access to uh, category C weapons and so forth yeah. um, you know which is good and, and I agree with that completely And uh, but what annoys me is when you go to apply for a category C weapon um, you know, you've got to jump through so many hoops and they will try to prevent you as much as humanly possible from actually getting that firearm. And, and that's where I don't agree with people's personal viewpoints getting in the way of their job. And uh, unfortunately, I've, I've seen that, um, you know, with the firearm uh, registry up here, which is weapons licensing. They really have their own agenda and their own viewpoint that no one should have firearms. And, and that it's just so blatantly obvious. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see it where, you know, you phone up, very helpful, uh, and they say, oh, no, you're eligible to apply for that. Here, let me help you with it. Because at the end of the day, you're a law-abiding person, and uh, and I think 
That's if right. the legislation allows you to have something, um, it shouldn't be up to a government organisation to go, well, you know, we're, we're going to sort of go against the legislation and bring our own personal feelings into it. I, I just don't agree with that. Yeah. Mate, I know we were talking before, you know, about... And I asked people this, and I heard John Howard just after the Sydney siege said, oh, no, 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 when, you know, David Lionhelm, Liberal Democrats, Senator New yeah. South Wales was saying, you know, concealed carry, and, you know, whether that was the right time or not, that's, I guess that's not here nor there, but... You know, a lot, John Howard was there going, well, public safety in Australia is safer you know, than, than they were in 1990, before 96. I mean, question one question would be, well, how did Man Monus or whatever his name was get a pump-action shotgun? That's number one. Yep. Um, and I guess, I mean, is Australia, I mean, you know, we know the, the homicide with the firearm was dropping before, long before 1996. We know New Zealand's got an array of firearms, as you were just talking about before. No registration, uh, simple licensing, still sending firearms through the mail in mail order, mind you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, do you think, what do you think of John Howard's comments? I mean, how, how are we safer, especially in Sydney? I mean, I've just, you probably heard recently, I mean, we've, I think we've had 17 shootings in the space of December alone. I mean, yeah, how exactly. is Australia safer than they were in 96? And where did Man Monus get this pump shotgun if apparently, you know, they're not available to the average shooter? Yeah, well, there's two things that the anti-gun lobby really rely on. And uh, number one is that big claim to fame will always be Oh, since the implementation of the 96 gun laws, um, the deaths with firearms have dropped, you know, and, and yeah, when people look at the stats from 96 onwards, um, yeah, you, you can't argue with that. I mean, there's a few spikes um, a yep. couple of years, yep. but in general, it's, a, it's the, the general trend is downward. Correct. But when you look previous, like you touched on before, previous to 96, that general uh, trend downwards was still there. It's, yeah. it's made no difference, and they and they spent uh, they spent uh, you know copious amounts of money on that gun buyback, and and for what resolve? Um, yeah. And this this proves it. Like the uh, man Monis, I mean, okay, he's got a restricted category C shotgun that was restricted only okay only to primary producers, uh, and you know, and a small handful of other people. Yeah. Um, obviously, he didn't legally obtain it. He wasn't licensed. Um, so it just proves that the gun laws don't work. And if, and I'd actually like to take it one step further before when you touched on saying that it's never been proved anywhere that any registration has worked anywhere in the world. You actually have a look at the gun laws anywhere in the world and gun laws have not made places safer anywhere. And that just proves it because, let's face it, it's only the law-abiding that follow laws it's the criminals that break the law, hence why they're called criminals, and they won't change. So it doesn't matter whether you bring in magazine restrictions, it doesn't matter whether you bring in you know, restrictions on semi-automatics or, you, or, or whatever, or even if the Greens were successful in their handgun ban, for example. Do you think it would stop all the shootings um, down in you know, Sydney and things? No, it wouldn't, because none of those firearms have been legally obtained. Even if they've been stolen from a licensed firearm owner, that means they've still been illegally obtained because someone has broken into someone's house and obtained them. Yeah. So this is the thing that, that really frustrates me is when um, you know people from the gun or the anti-gun lobby, you know, try to quote how great these gun laws are and everything. Well, prove to me. Well, where's the proof that they've done anything? And yeah. I, I even had uh, one guy who uh, was obviously quite anti-gun say, "Well, well, you know." 
It's only because uh, of John Howard's laws that, um, you know, that he didn't have some assault rifle and he was killing everyone with it. <laughs> well, well, no. He, I mean, <laughs> as you know, when they refer to assault rifles, usually they're trying to compare them to AR-15s. <laughs> well, AR-15s are still available here. I mean, police, government organisations have got them and there's a, you know, a handful of primary producers, feral pest controllers like myself who have them. Um, and they're just as prohibited for sports and target shooters just as much as that pump shotgun was. Yeah. So it could have been an AR-15 or anything else. It doesn't matter. He still obviously had a prohibited firearm that he was not entitled to. So it just goes to prove that um, the gun laws simply do not work. Yeah, mate. I mean, I see a lot of people say, too, and you've probably seen this as well, yeah, people say, well, oh, we, I mean, let's be honest, man, he, he wasn't very smart. I mean, you know, he fell asleep on the first night, for goodness sake, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it wasn't exactly the guys in front, because we've just, what, what date are we recording this podcast? I'll just let people know. It's the 9th of January uh, we're talking yeah. with Aussie Reviews, so we just, this is the French thing just happened as well. I mean, those guys killed, I think, far as I'm aware, this morning it was 13, I think, with four critically, or four, sorry, four uh, heavily wounded so we don't know what the the outcome is going to be of that yet but i mean he wasn't very smart the old man's moaners fell asleep the first night these guys in france completely uh obviously set up ready to go to inflict you know major carnage now i hear people say quite often oh well you know he shot two or you know the all the guys in um france and i've heard people saying oh well he shot 12 but if he if he had a semi-auto uh he, he would have shot 30 you know if he had these weapons i mean i've had always had this analogy since i started this show i mean let's pretend yeah, someone was psychotic. No one wakes up in the morning, Aussie, and goes, oh, you know what? You know, I'm, I'm a bit crazy. I'm thinking about killing people. But yeah. you know what? Yeah. I can't get access to that semi-automatic shotgun. Oh, you know what, mate? I'm, a, I'm, I'm cured. I'm just going to go back to work and everything's fine. Mate. I'm just going to forget about these you know, suicidal and or psychotic tendencies because I can't... I mean, who thinks people just go, oh, hang on, can't get semi-auto? Oh, you know what? I'm cured. I'm just going to go back to work and go about my business. You know what I mean? That's right. Well, I mean, they proved that over in China, didn't they, last year when there was the um, massacre with the knives? With the knives on the train station, yeah. Yeah, yeah mm. I mean, and, and a lot of people argue and go, oh, well, if they had a... If they had firearms, they would have killed a lot more people. Yeah, possibly, but let's look on the other side of the coin too. If they allowed self-defence over there and people were carrying firearms, yep. perhaps they could have stopped it straight away and there would be no lives uh, yep. that have had been lost. Yeah. And, and getting back on registration too, I hear, I know a fellow listens to my show, so he might know, he might know who it is when he hears this, but he says uh, he might be one of our law enforcement. He says, well, hang on, Jace, registration's good. It's, uh, when I go to a property for a domestic dispute, uh, I know whether there's firearms in or not, and he reckons it saved his life three times. So my first question was, okay, you tell me when a police officer has gone to a domestic dispute where a police officer is being gunned down by a licensed law-abiding firearm owner. Obviously, there was crickets and silence. Now, the yeah. second part of that was, I said, okay, so you know he doesn't have a registered firearm? And he said, yes, that's correct. And I said, well, okay then, so what is if he had an illegal firearm? Would you treat the situation any different? He goes, well, yes and no. And I said, well, how would you know? You know, just yeah. because he's not carrying a legal firearm, how do you know yeah. he's not carrying an illegal firearm? Would you, do you still treat the situation with caution? He goes, oh, yeah, of course. I said, what's the difference? 
yep. what's the difference? How do you know he's not carrying a firearm? But getting on to the main point I wanted to make with that was uh, we're talking about registration. Now, people said, well, registration doesn't work. People don't, uh, yeah, the crims don't uh, register their firearms, which is true. But then we've seen on the, on the other fact where we've seen things happen. And I don't really like to draw attention to it because it's a little, it's a little bit negative on shooters. But we saw down in Wagga, uh, the, the, you know, the farmer down in Wagga killed his whole family. I mean, that far as I'm aware, those uh, uh, firearms were registered, killed his whole family. And then I think he ended up killing himself in the dam. So, I mean, yep. even then, how did, and we also had one only a couple of weeks after that, just in Victoria, where there was a neighbourhood dispute between uh, two rural properties the neighbour uh, the fellow went over there uh, shot the whole family I think it was three of them actually so and again yep. they were they were legal uh, registered firearms so I mean, again how does registration whether illegal or legal prevent people from doing the wrong thing that's right and, and this is where the issue it's it's not the firearm there's other issues here I mean if you took the firearm away from that person I mean, he could do what, you know, happened recently uh, in Cairns up here where um, a mother has killed, I think, about eight, eight children with a knife. Um, you know, so, I mean, what's the difference? Dead is dead, no matter what means they use to actually do it. So this is what, uh, you know, frustrates me is, um, you know, the, the gun banners out there believe, look, if we take all the firearms away from law-abiding people, there'll be... No more deaths with firearms, and that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, yeah. even if you were able to wave a magic wand and remove all firearms from society, no matter no matter what, there was none. Do you really think that the criminals were going? Geez, I can't get a firearm, so I'm not going to kill, kill this person. <laughs> like they would know. have found another way, wouldn't they? I mean, some Absolutely. people just culture. I mean, just throughout history, people's you know thirst for power. Thirst yep. to, to kill people and take their land, whatever it may be. I mean, this goes back you know, since the dawn of time, doesn't it? That's right. Exactly right. I mean, uh, you know, and, and this is the whole thing. I mean, why, why do people think that, uh, you know, um, especially in the Second World War, why weren't the Japanese too keen on invading the U.S.? Because I think the quote was used, behind every blade of uh, grass is a firearm, which is pretty much true. Um, you know, and is this the whole thing? I mean, it just frustrates me because even the gun banners out there who are so anti-gun, when they're in trouble, who do they call? Police who turn up with firearms. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it, it really is just, it annoys me when everyone focuses on the firearm all the time rather than the actual bad deed of the person. And, uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, it just impacts negatively. I mean, look, when... Uh, when uh, the Prime Minister came out after that Sydney incident and uh, was given the wrong intel, saying that uh, Man Monis was a licensed firearm owner. I mean, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And, and it doesn't matter whether that's uh, right or wrong. Unfortunately, it's gone out that way and um, everyone believes it, you know, because that was the first report that, that came out. And it's only people like you and I and other shooters who have, um, you know, followed up and seen articles and so forth and we've spread the correct articles but a lot of people the general public who aren't really into shooting just go oh yeah oh, that'd be right licensed firearm owner that's why we need to get rid of guns and it's it's completely incorrect and it does a lot of damage to uh, genuine licensed law abiding firearm owners yeah i always say it's funny people say oh we don't want to be we don't want to be like america you know we don't want the gun culture american i thought well if Australia just, yeah, it may not happen, it may happen, we just don't know in the future, but let's say Australia was invaded. Ozzy, who do you think's the first country we're going to call to get over here for support? US. And, and guess what we're going to ask them to bring to help us out? 
a lot of fire up power in general. You, know? <laughs> you bet, you bet your sweet buddy ass they will. You know <laughs> what I mean? Right. Because that's the first thing they'll do. I mean, it's just sort of outrageous. And we're talking about with the comments after the Sydney siege. I know David, again, David Lionel, Liberal Democrats, was talking pretty heavily about it. Um, yeah. And we've seen uh, concealed carry introduced in one of the last states, which was Chicago. I mean, and I only read an article this morning. I don't know the exact numbers, but I'll try and put it on the uh, blog post when this uh, podcast goes live. But, I mean, already dropped quite significantly uh, in Chicago already. And the cops are going, oh, we were surprised for, you know, police safety. But we've realised, yep. again, the law-abiding people have done the training. They've done the safety thing. They're the people coming to do the courses and getting, getting certified. And they're already reaping the benefits now. So why wouldn't it work here? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I agree completely. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, were quite negative with, uh, with uh, David um, uh, Lionhelm in regards to his uh, issue of concealed carry and, and uh, self-defence with a firearm. And I think the timing personally, my view on it is I think the timing was perfect for him to raise that issue because no one can honestly tell me when you're being pressed against that window down there and some crazy guy's got a shotgun or any weapon um, you know, to your head or, or threatening to kill you or other hostages... If you know that you're going to die or there's a really good chance you're going to die, surely you'll want to have every opportunity possible to cling on to your life and be with your family and so forth. And, you know, if that means having some sort of weapon, it doesn't matter what it is. And when we saw the, the young fellow who uh, bravely gave his own life, the, uh, the cafe worker there, and, um, yep. you know, and supposedly charged it, uh, man, Monis. And, I mean, think if he had a firearm... I mean, there's no way at all Man Monis could have kept his eye on every one of those hostages at all times. Exactly, yeah. And if one of them was trained and they had a firearm and they did shoot him and, and that would have been the end of the situation. I mean, and a lot of people, I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of people and people say, well, you know, no, I, I don't think people should have firearms. They shouldn't be walking around there with firearms. And I say, well, what about the criminals that are walking around in our society now with firearms with criminal intent you know and they go oh we you know we don't see that well if good law-abiding people had concealed carry we wouldn't see that either and if you're in a situation where your life's threatened um you know you're cowering you know behind a park bench or something and some crazy person is you know uh going on a shooting spree would you really care and this is what the question i ask and i put to people would you really care whether it was a police officer or a security officer that came to help you and shot that madman dead? And, you know, <laughs> the response is always, no, not at all. I'd be just thankful to be alive. Yeah, true. And then I say, well, would you care if it was a uh, concealed carry permit holder or just a civilian turning up in plain clothes and killing that person and your life is safe? And some people go... Well, no, but I just still have an issue because I know it's a, a private person that's, that's doing it. And there's two things I say to that. Well, one, why discriminate on the, the clothing that the person's wearing? If they're wearing a police uniform, a security uniform or plain clothes, who cares if their end result is the same and you're alive? True. And, you know, and they agree with that. And, uh, you know, but then I still get the uh, argument of, well, look, the police are more trained. And then I say to them, well, are they? And, and they say, well, yeah, I believe so. And I say, well, you know, you might be interested to know that um, most police, um, unless obviously they're from specialist units, I'd imagine, 
that the average uniform police officer requalifies once per year That's with their right. sidearm. So they only use that sidearm on a range one time in a year. You look at the average sports shooter, they've got to go and do six mandatory shoots, well, it's six here in Queensland, um, to keep <laughs> their true. firearm. And then on top of that, they're practicing. They're going out and just having a shoot and and that sort of thing. So you look at it, and and a lot of people are quite surprised with that. And they go, well, geez, Ozzy, you know, when you put it that way, um, yeah, well, uh, an actual civilian probably is more accurate with the firearm or more competent in the use of the firearm than what, you know, say some police are. You're right. and, and, you know, and it puts it into perspective for people and uh, because you and I both know if you're a, if you're a uh, civilian, you're into your, into your shooting, you're into your shooting. Like, you, you know, you love your firearms, you've gone out, you've purchased it and so forth. I mean, you know, how many of us have, have seen police who, you know, openly admit, oh, they're, they're not into firearms when, you know, you're a shooter. I've seen shooters before say to police, oh, oh you're carrying uh, or whatever firearm and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't really care. I'm not really into guns, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, yeah, and you yeah. hear that, and and look, that's nothing bad. That's just people being people. People have different interests. It's just a but, job um, for them. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, you got to look at it in that perspective. And and I mean, this is the the other thing. Like you see the NRA over in the US, and I mean, you see so many positive stories of civilians who save their lives, uh, well, their own life and lives of others with concealed carry, and a lot of the time they don't even have to pull the trigger. It's simply just pulling that firearm out, and it's a deterrent. And like you uh, touched on earlier in the show, like, you know, people will argue and say, well, well, how many times here in Australia do you need the firearm? Um, You know, and I turn around and say, well, how many times have you been broken into? And they proudly say, well, none. And I go, well, why do you have home insurance? Oh, uh, um, because, uh, well, if I did, well, that's the same with, with you or I or anybody else who wants to have concealed carry. We all, and I'm sure quite positive of this, we would all pray to God that we would never, ever have to fire at someone or, or take someone's life because it would be, it'd be a traumatic experience. And, uh, you know, we, we don't want that. But if it comes down to some crazy person trying to take, you know, like uh, my partner away or me away or, you know, taking a mother away that was killed down in Sydney I mean you've, you've now got a family without their mum right before Christmas and uh, you know and I just look at it and think well I'm not saying that she should have a firearm or she should have a knife or, or anything all I'm saying is as I agree with what David was saying um, about it should be an option for law-abiding people to have that option of self-defense yeah Mate, we're just going to go to another quick break. Everyone can grab a swig of water. Be right back with Aussie Reviews. This is an ad for the Liberal Democrats. But the Liberal Democrats don't want me to talk about them. They want me to talk about you. People should control governments. Governments shouldn't control people. In fact, the Liberal Democrats think the less you hear from the government, the better. Unless you're hurting someone, governments should get out of the way and let you live the life you want. The Liberal Democrats. More freedom, less government. Do you hunt deer and want to learn the correct techniques for a quality wall mount and premium eating venison? SSAA Sydney Branch provides hunter education courses to help you become a better hunter and to utilise harvested game in the most effective way possible. 
course content includes gunning, butchering and caping from experienced hands-on instructors using locally harvested deer. There is no gear required and also includes a barbecue lunch. Courses are held every first Sunday of each month with an 8am sign-in for a 9am start. Course running time is approximately 6 hours and the venue is Silverdale Rifle Range. Cost is $50 per person, so call Andy Mallon at Silverdale Rifle Range on 02-4653-1440 or visit www.sydney.net. Aussie, mate, I know we're talking about our organisations here. Now, we're going to get sort of, we'll leave the NRA a little bit for towards the end, but, mate, what do you think about organisations? I know um, there's a, yeah, a lot of people, the apathetic shooters sometimes. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are lifting the heavy weight. They're doing their bit. They're writing to their members, their ministers, etc., in their local states and areas. Now, there's a lot of apathetic shooters out there going, well, what's this organisation doing for my rights? What's that organisation doing? They're not getting off their bums. Um, but I guess, are our org- do you think our organisations as a whole are performing okay? Because I know there's a lot of talk out there of certain organisations, and I'm not going to mention who, but they're saying, well, you know, the, the low and slow approach, we've got to, you know, we don't want to upset the government. We don't want to, you know, look like we're extreme or the quote-unquote American gun culture, you know. So do you think our organisations, one, are doing any good? What can they improve on? What can people do? Because I think this whole low and slow and, you know, I mean, it's been 16 years, I mean, sorry, longer than 18 years since you know Port Arthur um, I think it's been long enough to get some type of crawl back on these laws which just seems to be the complete opposite and I don't support the view at all period that you know the low and slow approach works what do you think well my question to you and all your viewers who uh, agree with the low and slow approach is do weapons licensing and the firearms registries do they go with the low and slow approach each year when they come back to take uh, firearms office through their restrictive policy the answer is no. They go as hard as they can. And this is the thing. There's a cake there. They're coming back for a bite of that cake every year. And before you know it, there's going to be nothing left. And the only way to change things is, like you say, get up off the couch, ride into your local member. I mean, you have rights as a, as a civilian in a democratic society here in Australia. And you should exercise those rights. So if you have an issue with a government organisation and there's something where you're being... Un- um, you know, unfairly treated, then stand up, ask some questions. Like you can't get into trouble for asking questions, ask for an explanation. Um, you know, and, and this is the thing. Um, I think that organisations here. I mean, look, obviously we've got the SSAA, and I mean, I think I touched on this when we we're down at the shot show, saying, you know, their interest is very much to the sports shooter because they are the Sporting Shooters Association of Australia. However. Taking into consideration that and even shooters in general, and I've tried to promote this as much as I can like on my page and so forth, is even like, for example, okay, if I'm not a big-time competitive shotgun shooter, for example, if I see some legislation that's going against shotgunners, I'm going to write to my local member and ask for an explanation about it. And people will say, well, why would you do that? It doesn't affect you. Well, yes, it does because... What happens is then the shotgunners get chopped down and then once they chop them down, then they'll come for the pistol shooters. Then when they're chopped down, then they'll come for the rifle shooters. We all have to stand together and fight. And even if it's on a topic that just does not affect us, we we have to do something. We have to stand together and we have to protest. And and touching on the double S double A, I was actually quite 
um, pleasantly surprised when I saw a couple of the videos that uh, you'd had on your site there with the um, the Senate inquiry uh, recently, and um, you know, and I'd actually seen one of the links I think to the WSWA had put up there their submission and so forth, and and uh, I saw Jeff Jones speaking, and I do know Jeff, and and I actually thought, geez, I take my hat off to you, Jeff, you really. You really got in there, and um, and it was a no BS submission, and uh, I was quite proud that uh, you know he'd got in there, and he wasn't really pulling any punches. He was still diplomatic, but he was extremely firm in his view and the stance uh, from the SSAA. And I thought, great, you know that's that's what we've got to do. We've got to um, go in hard, and uh, we've got to take you know at times, you know, who says we have to agree to these proposals from like the anti-gun lobby and and. And members of the anti-gun lobby that, have, that are in government, like no one's saying we have to agree with it. And, and you can take a firm stance and go along the freight. Sorry, that's not my view. You, and nobody can get in trouble for having a view and refusing to agree with a policy or something that wants to be brought in. So once again, coming back to living in a democratic society, stand up, exercise some of your rights there. And um, and this is what shooters notoriously don't do because they do just want to be left alone to enjoy their sport. I mean, look, I'm one of those people. For years, I was just thinking, okay, well, I'll just let someone else do it. And then it just got to the stage like, geez, none of my friends are doing anything. Well, who is doing stuff for shooters? Well, geez, it's up to me to do something. And that's why I started the channel and, and so forth, as we discussed before. And, and more of us have got to do that. I'm not saying start a channel. Like, nobody has to... Con- you know, consume that much of their time, but at least get involved if there's, um, you know, like a political party um, that needs a bit of a hand on voting day, uh, j- just something like that, yeah. you know, um, just get out there, don't be afraid to actually give some of your time, and if yeah. you can afford it, give a few dollars as well to these um, organisations that are trying to fight for your rights. Yeah. True, eh? I mean, as I said, I don't know how many. I've got, got a little USB stick here, and I don't know how many letters are on there. They're all, you know, in folders by, uh, you know, politician, you know? Yeah. And like I said to people, you don't, you can be set up, you know? Like, I've got, you know, a bunch of stamps. I've got a bunch of envelopes. Um, I've already got the template there set. So all I've got to do is change the date, change the minister who it is, write the little spiel, uh, yeah. already signed, uh, done in the envelope, five minutes, and you're done. That's all it takes, and that's what I tell people. That's yeah. all it takes takes you know just to just to try and make a change it might not work i mean i wrote into the uh, myself and a lot of people wrote into the um you know the the cutting red tape day the abbott government cutting red tape i mean they wrote back and said oh you know the strikes are balanced public safety blah 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 but yeah. i mean they're knowing in that office now that you know there's a lot of people that wrote in they're going oh well, people yeah people even though they might have written that back the word isn't there the shooters want some change you know like it's just that's right you know they may yeah. not but, um, mate, sorry to go on the next one. I just wanted to talk about, um, we know, I think we, sp- I think we spoke at the SHOT Show about this. I'm pretty sure we did. But there's obviously, you know, political parties. I mean, there's a lot of political parties in Australia, a lot of minor parties. But I'm talking the pro-gun ones. So obviously, we've got uh, Shooters and Fishers Party. I mean, you said we saw Liberal Democrat David Lynham just got a Senate position, you know, last year. Yeah. Um, we've also, yeah, Country Alliance. I mean, people always said there's a lot of vote splitting that's going on and, I noticed in Victoria, me and my other co-host, another show that I have on, Mario, we went through the the numbers um, of the uh, Victorian election. So obviously with SFP, we've got uh, Rob Brown, Rob Borzak in New South Wales. We've got uh, Rick Mazur in WA, and we've got the two uh, new uh, hunters, sorry, hunters, SFP uh, politicians in Victoria, Jeff Borman and Daniel Young. Now, what I'm looking at numbers, I mean, we're looking at numbers in those three parties, 
amassed just over 200,000 votes in Victoria. Um, you know, Liberal Democrats, I think it was about 106,000. SFP was around 53, 54,000. Um, but, you know, again, those numbers, I mean, are just fantastic. There's 200,000 people. I mean, it would have been great if the LDP or Country Alliance got, you know, a seat up and, you know, join those two Shooters and Fishers Party guys. It just goes to show how important preferences really are. But my yeah. point is, there's a lot of votes for pro-gun parties and a lot of a lot of different voices. But I still believe that 200,000 people voted for a pro-gun party, pretty much, or, or thereof, in Victoria. Yeah, yeah. So I guess my question is, sorry, my question is, do you vote for a political, um, a, sorry, a pro-gun party? Um, and if you, if so, what do you, you can, you don't have to tell us who it is if you don't want to, but you can. What do you think they're doing right? And on the flip side, what do you think they do, can do to improve? Well, mate, uh, my last vote up here went to the Cutter Party um, yep. because they were quite active. Um, they've got uh, two members in Parliament up here at the state level and um, I even uh, gave up a fair bit of my time even on uh, voting day and I actually... And it wasn't even in my um, in my area. Yep. I actually went out and helped out um, one of their candidates and um, held out um, you know signs and how to vote cards and things like that um, at one of the uh, booths that um, he couldn't be at, that they didn't have anyone to man. So, um, you know, I, I went there and I dedicated my day to do that. And, uh, you know, look, this is the thing. Um, even if you don't get a sweeping amount of people from that pro-gun party in, I mean, we got two members in, and um, it's, it's a voice. It's still someone who's willing to stand up for shooters when, you know, you're writing a complaint about something or or there's some issue that you just do not agree with and you can't get any um, answer or, or any sympathetic ear from, you know, uh, Liberals or, or, or Labor, for example, um, then you've got an option. You've got someone there who can actually voice your opinion, who is actually in power, and, and that's, a, that's a very, very important thing. So um, I, I, on the topic of the splitting of the vote, I think that, uh, yeah, look, I agree with that. Um, there is a bit of that going on, and I, look, I, I'm not a professional on uh, the political scene, mate, so I don't really know how the preferences and so forth work. But um, I mean, yeah, it would be good if you saw a lot of these parties coming together, so that um, you know, um, hypothetically, let's look on a smaller, you know, scale. Um, say, for example, you've got ten political parties um, in, you know, uh, in, in an area, and say three of them are, uh, you know, pro-gun and you've got votes going to each three individually, but not enough to get any of them over the line. But if you um, had all those votes rounded up as one, it would be enough to get them over the line. So that's sort of you know, my viewpoint. I mean, look, like I say, I'm not a professional, and yeah. I stand to be corrected if that's not how it works, but I'm just looking at it sort of in layman's eyes, you know, and yeah. um, I think, well, if they were sort of joined together more, yeah. um, we could actually get more people in. I mean... You know, how many shooters have we got in Australia? We, you know, we've got, what, over 700,000? Seven, something like that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's mm. a lot of people. When you look at the, you look at the, um, uh, the, the differences, like, between, like, the U.S. population, and then you've got, like, the NRA with 5 million uh, members, you know? I mean, it's only a fraction of their population, which I think is sort of about 250 million, somewhere there, well, 275 three, million. Three, 317. I was just looking at it today, actually, with a mate. Oh, well, there you go. With a mate, so yeah, even, 317. So even more. And, and you see, like, the NRA, how much influence they have yeah. with only 5 million members. Yeah. So it just goes to show you don't have to have overwhelming odds to, to, to um, you know, to influence something. Um, all it is is a matter of 
we've got the numbers here. There's no two ways about it. But what we have to do is we all have to come together as shooters and start doing a lot more as one. You know, like if there's letters that need to be sent and that, instead of just 10 or 20 of us, you know, getting up off the couch and doing it, yeah. let's um, let's see the difference when uh, politicians are receiving, say, 15,000 or 25,000 letters. Oh, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Absolutely, mate. And we would have sweeping changes like shooters have never seen in this country, you know, going in their favour because, let's face it, I mean, politicians, at the end of the day, they listen to votes because that's what keeps them in the job. And, uh, you know, and if they know that someone wants something so badly and there's the numbers there to keep that person in office, well, of course they're going to run with it because it's going to keep them employed. Yeah. The only thing, I mean, with the democratic process, I find is, you know, it's hard. I mean, how do we get people, you know, to work together? Because you know, people say, well, it's splitting, it's splitting a vote. Well, I agree, but who says it was that particular party's vote in the first place? Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, this is where yeah. the egos, yeah. everything really comes into it, that, you know, people think they just can't work together. How do we get over the egos? You know, people say, well, it's splitting the vote. Well, okay, let's say I was in charge of a party. And even if I was here first, I mean, the democratic process says tomorrow, I, if I get 500 members, I can start a political party. Now, yeah. obviously, I wouldn't. There's too many pro-gun parties as it is. But let's say I did. And I said, well, I'm going to offer something different. I'm going to be offering this. People say, oh, well, you're splitting our vote. Well, you know, uh, what makes it their vote in the first place? doesn't necessarily make it their vote in the first place. I mean, there's democratic process there that I can, you know, start a party. I mean, yeah, maybe one of the other major parties in the future could have a firearms policy. I mean, who knows? But how do we, how do we get them to work together? That's the question. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and this is the thing. I mean, they're going to have different viewpoints on other issues that are going to be important to people. This is the thing. And I mean, uh, after, um, you know, listening to uh, David uh, Lionhelm there, um, I'm actually quite uh, quite a fan of a lot of his viewpoints. Um, you know, especially when he said, as a, as law-abiding people, um, his belief and and the and the LDP belief is um, very minimal government interference in your life. And uh, I tell you what, when he said that, I thought, geez, I, I really identify with that with my own personal beliefs. And um, you know, because he did add, unless of course you're going around and you're hurting someone. Um, Obviously, you know, you can't go out and start committing crimes and all the rest of it. Um, but, you know, just a lot of his policies and everything I really identify with and, uh, and I really hope I get the opportunity to, uh, to actually meet him and shake his hand, um, you know, at some stage in the future because um, I really take my hat off to him. And, and even when I watched that uh, Senate inquiry there um, on your page yeah. and I listened to the questions that he was putting forward, I mean, he's a very articulated yeah. Um, gentleman, I mean, he's very well educated. Um, he's obviously, you know, he knows how the uh, democratic process works, and you know, he formulates questions very, very uh, skillfully. I think, and uh, he's a good person to have in our corner. Yeah. Um, you should listen to the one with, um, I think it was the Attorney General's Department. If you haven't, yes, uh, that's the one I was referring yeah, to. Some yeah. of those questions, I was like, mate, spot. You know, spot on, spot on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Even say there wasn't, there wasn't. Is is there an element of gun control in the attorney generals? And they just sort of went, oh shit. <laughs> they looked at each other and went, oh, yeah. oh, we administer the law. And he's like, oh yeah. Well, you. And then when they said stuff about you know New Zealand and laws and the certain firearms, and he says, well, that data is very highly contested, very. And they're like, oh yeah. And then he mentioned New Zealand and Canada not having their registries of. I caught Lisa. I remember he mentioned New Zealand, and they're yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah, we know that. And he's like, well, that's 
highly contested what you're saying, and he's, they're like, mm. <laughs> they, they didn't know what to say. They were looking at each other, and I remember the, the lady with the blonde hair was looking at the, the young fella, <laughs> going, or the, yeah, the guy probably our age in his mid 30s sort of thing. Yeah, he, yeah. he was like, oh, okay, <laughs> he didn't know yeah, what to say. Right. It was kind of funny, but and, and yeah. mate, it is. I mean, look, I've uh, I've had my own difficulties with uh, the uh, Attorney General's department because obviously being feral pest control, I can I can import. Yeah. Um, with category C and D, and um, anyhow, obviously I'm a previous importer, but mate, I've uh, submitted an application back in August 2014. I'm still waiting for wow. a permit for my semi-auto 308 that's sitting in customs. I've paid for it the whole lot. It's been sitting there the whole time, but um, what even frustrates me even more with it is um, I've had to actually hand in, so I got rid of my... Um, my uh, DSA 58, the SLR metric conversion. Yep. I had to get rid of that because weapons licensing are saying, well, you can't have any more than two Cat D. So if we give you a permit, because you've got to get a PTA at state level, yep. we can't give you a PTA until you get rid of one of your Cat D. So I had to surrender my semi-auto 308 that I use for contracts for scrub ball. So I've been without that now since August. Yeah, ridiculous, so, um, isn't it? You know, this is a sort of frustration. I mean, I'm the previous importer. Like, they've got all my credentials, they've, they've got everything. And uh, this time when I had to uh, apply, they wanted receipts. I'd written to uh, customers on contracts and things like that. All that's provided, even more and more delays. And, and you know, when you phone up, you know, like, fair enough, they apologise, but they can't give you a, a, an ETA. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then I got onto weapons licensing here and, and, um, and they said, oh, no, we've confirmed that, you know, you're right to... To have it, and I'm thinking all this red tape. Like, of course, I'm right to have it because I've got a permit to acquire from you. Yeah, <laughs> and you've already owned them, and you've got other firearms yeah, that are the same, absolutely the same and, action. Uh, so, you know, and it's it's just so frustrating. And, uh, and and you know, at the end of the day, like you know, you raise the uh, the topic of well, how's my business supposed to be successful if you're stopping me from acquiring tools? And they they are. Let's face it, tools of the trade. Yeah. And um, you know, and, and and they just like well. Well, look, that's the way it is, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I can't go and do a, uh, I can't go and do contracts, um, you know, knocking off scrub ball with a semi-auto two to three. It's just inhumane. Exactly. So, uh, you know, so this is the sort of thing and the frustrations that we have, and that's why I was so pleased, um, you know, when I saw David asking legitimate questions, and uh, you know, and then listening to their responses because, um, you know, it's very frustrating when you actually come and speak to people like myself who are importers who have to jump through all these hoops and um, and, it, and it's just months and months of uh, delay with uh, red tape. Yeah, mate, totally agree with you. I know we were talking about, might have been at the SHOT Show, I think, yeah, I think it was. Um, I only vouch for a few organisations that I think here in, here in Australia that I think are doing a good job, at least I've interviewed Chris Howard from uh, Shooters Union Queensland there. Yep. They've got some good views, I really like them, but I really... I shouldn't say it like this, but I'm probably going to anyway. I'm really actually, even though the NRA is not an Australian, I'm actually really proud. of It's my top organisation, and I know a lot of people that uh, are members of the NRA too, and they actually say similar things to me, that they're proud to be a member of the National Rifle Association. I know about three months ago they offered a, probably longer than that, probably six months, they offered 500 bucks off membership, so I snapped it up for an EPL licence, only a couple of hundred bucks to go before I finished paying off and become a life member. 
Um, obviously, really, I, I rarely see shooters criticising the NRA. Obviously, there's a lot of anti-gunners criticising the National Rifle Association, but a lot of shooters in Australia tend to either criticise our organisations here, whether it be SSAA. Why are you a member of the NRA? Because that's one of my one of my proud passions, and I think if if they end up falling in the near future or sometime to the, to the to the gun control agenda, I think it won't be long until until it starts, you know, basically the wash on effect over here in Australia. So I guess why are you an NRA member? Well, uh, mate, as I, I think I touched on at the shot show there, like I'm a life member of the NRA, like I'm a life member of the SSAA, and uh, I guess it's just my way of showing some support, um, you know, to an organisation, even though they are over in the US. I mean, obviously I've been to the US and so forth, so there are benefits like going to, you know, NRA shows and so forth over there, but yep. just in general, it's just to say, well, hang on, I'm taking a stand. Um, I'm joining, I'm becoming a member because at the end of the day, I'm, I mean, and I know Wayne Lapierre had said this uh, on radio over in the US and, um, you know, he said uh, whenever he meets with politicians, the first thing they say to him is, how's membership? You know, and, and he says, well, we've got over 5 million members now. And, uh, and that really makes politicians listen, you know, according to him. And, uh, and, and that they have, I mean, because, you know, what we've seen some losses for the US um, with, their, with their gun rights over there. Um, but, geez, I tell you what, we've seen them uh, gain some ground too. And, and, and I personally believe that's simply because of the NRA. And, I mean, there's other places over there, Second Amendment Foundation, um, you know, organisations like that that do a really tremendous job. But uh, the NRA especially, I mean, you know, 5 million members, that's a, that's a fair bit of... Uh, political clout when they do meet with politicians and they're trying to negotiate, um, you know, different firearm laws and, and so forth. Yeah. What can what do you think we can learn? I mean, I said, people always say, well, what do you like about the NRA? And I said, well, you know what? I don't dislike anything they're saying. That's that's how I gauge my uh, interest in the NRA because they support everyone. They're big on hunting, shooting, self-defense, the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. Uh, they they support it, which I think is great here, whereas some organisations here don't. That's the problem. So what can our organisations here do, you know, to learn from that sort of, you know, marketing of the NRA and, and how sort of big on, you know, you know, getting into those politicians, you know, they advocate to their politicians, you know, they, and they pretty much, they're not backward in coming forward. I mean, um, if you, I'm not sure if you know it, there's a magazine, which you, you probably would, there's a, a magazine, first America's First Freedom, which I think is a tremendous magazine. Yep. And um, you know, you hear a lot about the stories about the you know the armed citizen, etc., where they're doing the good things, stopping bad guys, and you know the, if they and they're basically on their YouTube page and on their magazines, naming and shaming these politicians that you know are anti-freedom. So, what can our organisations learn from say the you know the organisations like the NRA? Yeah, well, absolutely, I, I agree. I think um, you know, touching on my previous point about it doesn't matter whether there's an attack on shotgun shooters here, pistol shooters. Um, you know, rifle shooters, whatever. Um, even even people who uh, collect knives. I mean, if there's an attack on them, I'll stand with them as well and fight. And I mean, this is the thing. This is why the NRA is so powerful because, like you say, they fight for all those, um, you know, shooters over there. It doesn't matter whether it's self-defence, hunting, whatever. But on top of it, they are actively um, advertising with their members about support us for our new campaign and then you see the results of those campaigns on television over there like you say where they they just go out and they attack the politicians and go this person doesn't believe you should have the right to defend yourself yeah. and this is this is what needs to happen here i mean we need to have 
um, an organisation who is willing to stand up to the government here and uh, the anti-gun police and go, hang on, no, I am going to stand up. I'm going to be proud because I am a law-abiding person and I'm, I'm proud of that. And I mean, me personally, I'm proud of that. So I'll stand and I'll, I'll certainly blow my own trumpet about that. And as a result, my belief is, because that's how I was raised, if you do the right thing, you get rewarded. And I, and I carry that over into my life now. And that's my viewpoint of how I feel that I should be treated. When I um, you know, have firearms, I should be allowed to have various different firearms because I'm a law-abiding person and I've proven myself not to be a bad person or a person with ill, Ill intent. So taking that over to the whole NRA thing, like they're standing up and saying, hey, we're law-abiding people and we're not going to accept this. You're talking about firearms that relate to criminals and then they'll attack them on, on that. So... But the other thing is too, I mean, like, um, you know, for people who may not know, like Brownells over in the US, you know, the big um, manufacturer of firearm parts and accessories and stuff. And, um, you know, you go to uh, buy from them and they uh, have, you know, the NRA add a buck, you know, and you can add $1, $2 or whatever, donate to the NRA. And it goes straight to the NRA and they use it for their television ads and so forth to, to fight the anti-gun mentality over there and this is once again coming back on all of us as shooters. I would be quite happy for an organisation here to say, right, we're going to run a, a, a section of uh, television ads. We need people to help out. Will you donate a dollar? You know, and, and I'm sure we could get 100,000 shooters in who'll go, hey, we'll give you a dollar. Um, and I'd love to see that sort of mentality being adopted here. And I mean, look, I'll be honest with you, Jace. I was one of these people who sort of was brainwashed, went along with the idea of, oh, okay, well, yeah, no, well, the restrictions have got to sort of be there, you know, because it was that really, that groupthink mentality um, that was being pushed through the media and stuff. And, you know, and then I just got to the stage where I was like, hang on, like, why am I agreeing to this? And, like, <laughs> why, am I, why am I agreeing that I'm the problem? I'm not the problem. I'm a law-abiding person. What, are, what do I have to do with a shooting in Sydney or, or whatever? Um, you know, that sort of thing. And that's when I thought, you know what? It's, it's time to stand. It's time to draw a line in the sand and go, enough's enough. We got the numbers. We just need to uh, get shooters here active and participating. And whether that means by getting an organisation who's going to draw shooters into more of a political fight um, or not, I don't care. I, I don't really care who it is. I don't care whether the SSAA want to do it or Shooters Union or whoever. Um, but if someone really wants to take the fight like that, I think they should actively advertise to shooters that that's what their intention or intentions are. And, uh, you know, let's throw in some money and, and help an organisation stand up and put us out there in the media in a positive light. Yep. And we are talking before about, you know, sneaky registries, etc. I know we'll, I saw this one on your uh, Facebook page. The Queensland Firearms Branch is trying to attempt to change possibly land size for farmers. So I presume this means primary producers about how does this affect a primary producer who wants to use their Cat H pistol to put down stock? I mean, I know this in New South Wales. I've seen it with the Category D. Uh, what's required uh, to get your Category D now has changed from what it previously was before. Now, a lot of people know, I think we spoke about it, that they've currently got a, a stop on Category Ds. One of my friends is going through the thing. He's been waiting since uh, mid-November, I think the 10th of November, still waiting now for an answer. 
authority continues on his license because obviously he applied before the the period before the uh, uh, expiry period of his license. But in regards to this Queensland one, what's the issue with that? What's happening with Queensland? What are they trying to pull a swifty on our on our uh, hardworking farmers up in Queensland? Yeah, well, mate, that's what it appears to be. I mean, uh, it was only by chance I saw it um, on the uh, weapons licensing page up here for Category H for uh, primary production use. They have a policy there, their own guideline, which obviously people need to understand that that's not legislation. That's just their policy of what they'll decide, um, which I do have an issue with that because as far as I'm concerned, if, a, uh, if, if it isn't legislated, then who are they to decide on policy? Um, I, I just, I really do have a uh, problem with that, and this is the whole issue: is it was 500 acres for a uh, primary producer to have a handgun. So that means even if they had a 22 handgun, they had to have 500 acres as a minimum. Which I, I immediately thought, well, how stupid is that? Because for a recreational shooter with a bolt action 22, they only need 40 acres. So, <laughs> but you know, that's a complete different story. But what they've done now is they've changed that policy now to... Um, it, it's been changed to 5,000 hectares, so that's just over 12,000 acres as a minimum amount of land a farmer has to have before they'll give them Category H. Yeah, uh, that five, and I just, you know, if you shoot that 5,000, mate, it's likely to go out of that area. <laughs> 12,000 you know, I mean, acres, look, you know? You know, I mean, look, how many... How many um, you know, how many uh, farmers out there being shooters um, who obviously have Category H who, you know, would probably have 8,000 or 9,000 acres, and that precludes them. I mean, so what's going to happen to them when they go to renew that Category H licence? Are they, as, is the weapons licensing branch going to turn around and say, well, boom, boom, sorry, you don't have 12,000 acres, you can't have it, that's our policy. But my question that I would like answered is, number one, what incident has occurred with a, with a law-abiding farmer with a Category H firearm to justify this massive uh, change, um, and and number two, why would you, uh, yeah, why would you underhandedly be trying to change policy? Like if it's that um, important, why not get it through legislation? But obviously they can't. So they then change the policy, which I, yeah. I, my view, I don't agree with. Yeah, people have got to keep on top of that. Read your fact sheets on your registry websites if you see anything. I got to tell people right into your ministers saying this is not good enough. Like my friend, you know, two months now without, you know, with obviously not an expired license because the authority continues. But you know, if he goes to somewhere on the weekend, they may not be able to check that. So he could be denied ammunition, and he's running a legitimate business. So, I mean, it just it yeah. just beggars belief, isn't it, mate? We're going to do. We've done a good show. We've got a couple more questions to finish off, mate. Five questions. It's our segment here. No one's excluded. Five questions under a minute. You reckon you can take the challenge? Absolutely. I'll start from after the first question, mate. If you could shoot any gun at all in the world, what would it be and why? Uh, I'd probably go and have a um, have a shot of a uh, mini gun, only because um, you know <laughs> there'd be so many, <laughs> so few people that'd probably have a chance to do that. And uh, I just think that it'd be a uh, blast. It really would. Pardon the pun. Uh, b- b- best thing about being a firearms owner in Australia, what is it and why? Just the freedom to enjoy our country. I, you know, Australia's a new, unique place. We've got unique landscape, the outdoors here. I just think it's just another reason or excuse to get into the outdoors and uh, enjoy what Australia's uh, well-renowned for, and that's just the beauty. Yeah, biggest, the biggest number one criticism of gun laws in Australia, what is it and why? Um, <laughs> the laws <laughs> completely, because <laughs> they, simply, they simply don't work. 
and uh, when they were made, um, there was no interest from shooters taken on account. Where was the voice of the law-abiding shooter being taken into consideration when all these ridiculous laws were made? Yeah, best and most positive thing that's happened to you, all stemming from starting the YouTube channel. What is it? Oh, geez. Um, should I say meeting you at the shot show? <laughs> oh, come on. You have to be telling the truth now, wouldn't you? Come on. <laughs> yeah, who said I can't joke, mate? All know, right. Uh, mate, if you... Uh, sorry, go on. I'd probably say, uh, in all honesty, mate, um, actually walking around in public and, and having shooters come up to me. Um, you know, I won't say it's on a day-to-day basis. It's certainly not. But, yep, just uh, having shooters come up to me, you know, I'm talking just in a shopping centre and stuff and just saying, hey, Aussie and just having a chat about firearms and that, and it just really makes you proud does. Um, of you know of what you're doing in general. That's how I feel about it. Mate, if you could shoot, hunt, or be involved in firearms anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Australia, because I think Australia needs people like myself to stand up and, uh, and voice the viewpoint of law-abiding shooters. Mate, two minutes, mate. Massive failure. Massive <laughs> failure. <laughs> no, it's good, man. Good stuff, mate. If people wanted to uh, go to your YouTube page, they you know, is there any Twitters, Facebooks, websites, emails? You give me all the details and let the listeners know. So if they want to go over there and subscribe to the channel or they want to you know, p- make a donation, which is always important, you know, we, don't, we don't run on love. So, yep. mate, give us all the details to all the, all the social media, etc. Yeah, well, mate, if they just put in uh, Aussie Reviews, one word on YouTube, so it's O-Z-Z-I-E, uh, and then Reviews, just normal spelling. So one word, Aussie Reviews, on YouTube, you'll find it there. Or if you go to facebook.com slash Aussie Reviews, one word again, um, then you'll find the Facebook page there. I do find a lot of shooters, uh, compared to, obviously, YouTube, um, a lot of shooters don't have Facebook, um, you know, in comparison, but... Um, in all honesty, I say to them, like, jump on the Facebook page because there's some really good discussions um, being brought up there and uh, by all means, you know, wade on in to the conversation and um, we, we actively promote that and that's how we get to keep in touch and obviously a lot of people send me a lot of private messages on Facebook and get in touch with me that way. Um, some people don't realise it, but you can actually send an email through YouTube. It's just a, it's just a little bit more. You've got to go, I think, to the about um, part or the information on the actual channel and then there's a link there but um, probably Facebook's the easiest way if someone wants to get on there but that's where I'll also release you know just different information and so forth I mean um, like you know if I could say it here uh, I've got a uh, the first Aussie Reviews get together happening um, I haven't announced that on my YouTube channel yet but it's on the Facebook page so you know just things like that um, where we're trying to get shooters together and so forth the information gets put on the Facebook page. So um, I say to anyone who's interested, please come on board and uh, and check us out. Perfect, mate. I just want to thank you, man. For, I know we, we've had a chat and we did the shot show and I saw you there and we got a little bit of an interview and I'm glad we were sort of able to... Uh you know, readdress a lot of this stuff in more depth. This will probably be one of the longest shows I've ever done, which, I again, I think is important that if people, you know, take away something from this show and from what we've said in the, in the couple of hours we've spent is that to get out there, make a difference, write to your members. You know, don't expect our organisations, you know. We should be asking what we can do for our organisations and, you know, and paying the money and, and, and getting involved. And if, if you don't think those, you know, organisations are doing what you should be doing, get involved, make a change, tell them what you want, get in there. 
you know, yeah, I mean, you know, and absolutely. then we need to get those people. I mean, even people like us, Aussie, into, you know, whether I'm not saying I want to be involved in any positions with any organisations, but people like us that are going to get in there, they're going to make a change, they're thinking like we are. I mean, you know, again, you know, all the people in the NRA think exactly alike, that freedom is important, that firearms ownership is important, and that, that opinion does not differ amongst those people in that organisation, because you know what, if it does, they wouldn't be working there, they'd be gone straight away. Yeah, so, exactly right, you know, mate. We, we need important. to get yeah, we need to get our organisations in there, and we need to get people in there that are going to make change, that want to make change. You know, sometimes it's going to be a tough road, but I think you know, with people like us there, you know, you've had a couple of million views on YouTube or a million and a half, whatever it, what we were discussing before. So, I mean, you know, it's just people like us, mate, that do the stuff. I mean, you know, I don't get a lot of money, mate. I rely on a few sponsorships, you know, from people. Uh, as do as do you, and just you know, you do it because you love it, man. You want to see this change in this country. I mean, you know, we could probably all of us could get up and leave tomorrow and go to a better country, but you know, that'd be sort of quitting, wouldn't it? And you know, well, it would, mate. And, and you know, I know I won't obviously keep the keep the conversation going too much longer because I know you have got time restrictions. But you know, my my thought on that, mate, is you know, we need to all think about. Oh, well, most of us, we need to think back at the history here of Australia and think about um, our grassroots, where we came from, and you know, and shooting and hunting and things like that has, has been ingrained in the Australian society for years and years. And, um, you know, it, it really it really hurts me. I, I look at a photo of my uh, my father when he was younger and uh, here he was with his 303 forward over the handlebars of his uh, bike yeah, um, yeah. riding home from, uh, from army training. And, uh, you know, I, I look at that and I, I remember I, I questioned him about that you know, and I said, oh, you know, how was it back then and things? And, um, you know, and he said that every time he uh, he rode home, you know, he'd always have someone thanking him, you know, just for what he was doing and that. And, and just looked up up to, you know, with that bit of pride and honour. And, uh, and you know, no one was running away going, oh, gun, gun, you know, and all the rest of it. And uh, I look at that and I think, you know, there's still that thought in society. It's just that... You know, unfortunately, the brainwashing and uh, the airtime has been all on the negative aspect of firearms. There's so much of us here in Australia that have such history with firearms and law-abiding use of firearms, and I really, really think that should continue. Yeah, you're right, mate. Oh, similar story. Me, me, me dad used to tell me a story of me, me pop. Uh, died, you know, four or five years ago. Now he was 94. We used to go up in the train, mate, with the SLR over the shoulder in the train to Lithgow. Yep. You know, no, no one blinked an eyelid. It was just, you know, it was the common thing of the day, mate. He did that these days. Like, oh, shit, SWAT's everywhere, you know. Well, mate, you know, another example is, uh, and I sort of look at this as probably one of the most memorable, you know, times of my life was, uh, you know, my 11th birthday. I mean, I was, I was given an SKS and about 1,200 rounds of ammo. And, uh, you know, that was my birthday present. A lot Best of people would look ever. at that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people would look at that and just go, geez, your parents are irresponsible and so forth. But quite to the contrary, I mean, my father said to me at the time, this rifle is an extreme privilege for you and uh, it comes with a lot of responsibility. And I said, yeah, oh, yes, Dad, you know. And, and uh, he said, if you do anything wrong, anything wrong with this, you will never, ever see it again. And he was the sort of person, when he said something, he damn well meant it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. you know, I, I always made sure that, you know, when I, I went out on the went out on the farm and, and shooting with it, I mean, well, back then as well, I could go to the SSAA and shoot it as well. And, uh, you know, I always uh, made sure when I was shooting recreation on properties and that, I always had the correct backstop and everything, and I just prided myself, you know, on, on that firearm. And, um, 
you know, but once again, now prohibited and, and all the rest of it. But I think <laughs> firearms in general like that, they, they teach people, they teach young people a sense of responsibility and worth and discipline, and that's certainly the fond memories I have of it. That's right, mate. Well, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate your input and appreciate you for giving me your valuable time tonight. Thanks, mate, for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Anytime, mate. Thank you. You've just been educated, and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.